What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joey Mayalari. So tonight, very special episode here in the studio, back from spring break. Obviously, a lot going on in the sports world. You had NFL free agency start today. You have March Madness with the first four games starting today and tomorrow before the bracket begins with a round of 64 on Thursday. A lot going on in the NFL. I feel like I could talk probably the whole episode about some of the moves that the Giants are making or in the NFL in general. Then also, you got the NBA. A ton to talk about there and what's going on with a lot of playoff implications over the next few weeks. So I'll start off with March Madness. I have my friend Dylan Riley in the studio with me. My boy Dylan's the second time back in the studio. He can talk anything sports. We can talk MLB, NBA, Clippers, Lakers, Celtics, Knicks, anything all day, Red Sox, Yankees. Pleasure having you in the studio, Dale. How are you doing? Thanks for having me, Joey. I'm doing well. Uh, I'm excited for March Madness. I know. It's a special time of the year, isn't it? I think the best... Best I would, time for sports. I would say the best time... I was just going to say that. I feel it's the best time in sports at Thursday, Friday, March Madness. Would you agree with that? Like, it's, it's just unreal. It's this this time in March, and then right when baseball starts, and that's about it. And that, it emerges, right? Because right. Right, right around yeah. the Final Four is right around the time of opening day, too, which is nice. So, obviously, a lot to forward to in sports over the next few weeks. And then you got the NFL draft just a few weeks after that, you know, mid-April, yeah. late end of April. So, a lot going on in sports over the next 45 days or so between yeah. March Madness. Three months, really. Yeah, basically, yeah, which the NFL draft is just about a month and change away, a month and a half away. So, all, all the way up to that point, it's going to be, you know, obviously a lot to talk about, especially with the NFL draft. I feel like you could talk hours, you know, when we get close to it with the mock drafts, you could go hours, you know, pick by pick. Uh, so we'll start off with March Madness. And just a preface too, we were just talking MLB. Before opening day, got to have you back in to have a whole breakdown oh, yeah. of the MLB. We're going to have to talk, we're going to have to have a two-hour episode just to Definitely. talk about Big Yankees, Yankees guy. It's gonna Big be- Yankees guy. Which I love about our conversations because we get lunch every Friday. We could talk anything. Like we, you oh, did, yeah. give us a topic conversation. We talk. About, we could. We talk about the Texas Rangers for forty five minutes. Cincinnati Reds. We somehow talked oh, about for man. about an hour before. I'll talk more about the Cincinnati Reds. Yeah. But I yeah. think we're going to need two hours just to read out the injured list for the Red Sox and the Yankees. Yes. So. Yeah, I would agree with that. And then all the you know missed opportunities for the Red Sox and what they could have, what they don't. <laughs> you could probably go through that. But hey, we did resign Devers, so yep. that's one obviously development over the past you know few months that's been good for the Sox. And they're playing better in spring training, even though it's. You know, just spring training at the end of the day. But, hey, um, Marcelo Meyer. Um, Lots to look forward to. Meyer's obviously a good prospect. Bayo, hopefully get him, you know, fully on board. You know, I hopefully want him to be in the rotation, but who knows what the Red Sox rotation is going to look like. Uh, Chris Sale won't be the opening day starter, they said, though. So we'll see what happens there. Definitely um, surprise. Yeah, it's the same thing every year. Right? This will be his fifth year in a row. I think Evaldi started 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022. I think it was four years in a row. At least three. At least three. I forget 2019. Nate might have been 2020 and on, but anyway, Sale hasn't been there for the Sox in big moments. So uh, we'll get into MLB talk, obviously, yeah, in a couple yeah. weeks when we get close to the season. We'll start off with the March Madness bracket. I didn't do enough research yet to go fully in-depth as, as I wanted to. Had a busy last day or two just get back into it, into the swing of things. I had a prom set due last night that I didn't even know until I got back to school. Oh, yeah. So it's been quite the transition getting back in. So I didn't really do as much research as I wanted to, but we're going to talk about it lightly, talk about some matchups, yeah. talk, maybe talk about some regions, some teams you like, maybe upset watch. We can start anywhere along those lines. So I know you, you're a big, big East guy, and I know we have similar views on a couple teams. Um, so we'll start off anywhere you want in the March Madness bracket. Then we'll also have two of my friends come on, Matt and Timmy. Timmy's the, the biggest fan of the show. We're going to have Tim, Timmy, and Matt all come onto the show and call in just about at 7.15. So we'll preview March Madness for 10 minutes and then get him on. I apologize for interrupting Dill, but let you get going. <laughs> I mean, I guess the first thing to talk about is Big 12 dominance. Uh, I think what they ended up sending ten teams to the tournament. Nine or ten, it was, yeah. Which feels unprecedented. I don't know if it is, but I, I, they're good. Don't get me wrong. 
Uh, I have a feeling there's going to be quite a few disappointments among those 10, though. And I still think when you're looking at, like, the top tier, I don't think any of the Big Ten teams would really fall in there. Uh, I think Purdue's, Purdue, Marquette, Bama, and maybe, like, I don't know. Kentucky? Kentucky. Kentucky. I mean, Kansas, obviously. Kansas, yeah. Is obviously, like, a top program. They're they're, they're one seed. They could repeat. Unsurprisingly, they're the one seed. Could repeat. And, like, UCLA, like, there's definitely some top-tier teams. I think, obviously, the Big 12 has had a high-level High ceiling all year, yeah. I mean, the teams have been unreal all year in the Big 12. That's why everyone's contract record wasn't that great, because they're all so close, kind of, because they're all playing great competition. But, on the other hand, I think all the other power conferences had three or four teams that could easily go head-to-head with any of them. Yeah. With the exception of Kansas, who I think is on another level. Yeah, Kansas is yeah, obviously different. Uh, big Twelve has a big, big talent. I'm a big yes. TCU fan, oh, so I roll with yeah, TCU. For sure. For sure. I roll with TCU. Um, which that's the thing about college basketball. I feel like in this bracket, more than any other year, which I definitely want to do more, you know, research on before I make my bracket. I didn't even get to do that yet. Which I get to, I got to look at. I know, you know, basically who I'd like in some matchups. But the one thing with this year in March Madness, I think, is interesting than any of the year. I feel like there could be more upsets for some reason than, than any other year. I think for sure. I think it's just interesting because you had uh, the sort of you had this wave of coaches retiring, yeah. Uh, Bayheim being the latest, but Jim Bayheim, uh, legend, Coach K, forty-seven years, right? Coach K, um, Coach K is a big one, obviously. Um, Jay Wright, Jay Wright, Villanova, big yeah. one. Uh, Shaka Smart leaving Texas. Yes. So you have this wave of coaches leaving, and a lot of the traditional blue buds aren't really up. I mean, Michigan didn't even make the tournament. Didn't make North Carolina. Didn't make North it. North Carolina didn't make it. Kentucky's Duke. a six seed, correct? Kentucky yeah. is a five or six. Five. Yeah. Duke's a five six seed. seed. Kentucky's a six seed. UNC didn't make it in. Right. I mean, this Besides is... Besides Kansas. Right. I mean, Kansas is the real, like... Blue blood of those, yeah. Yeah. So... Syracuse didn't make it in. They they made it in a ton with Bayheim, so they were They were the king of the ten seed upset. <laughs> I feel like... Um, but yeah, I, there's a... There's a lot moving in college basketball, and as a result, you have a lot of these teams just kind of sneaking in. Uh, I don't know. I guess I'll just let's just pick some random ones to talk about. Uh, Iona under yep, great uh, coach. What's his name? Rick Pitino. Rick Pitino, great coach. Who, I mean, has putting, his, putting has aside his issues, his, yeah. putting aside uh, personal the allegations. Yes, uh, Iona has never been an important program until he got there, and great coach. They are now, I mean, they're a 13 seed, which would have been unthinkable three or four years ago. That they make it in, yeah. Yeah. And they're matched up against UConn, who started off the year as... 14-0, I think. Yeah, as the best team for probably the first 20, 25 games and finished really weakly. They were 14-0, then lost five in a row, then finished, you know, five in the last six. They finished with eight losses. Uh, 25-8 in the Big East. I mean, that's still an excellent record. They probably could have been a... Two or three seed, depending on how you shifted it, but <laughs> that's an interesting matchup to watch to me. I I would agree. With, I would agree with that. I think another interesting matchup, which this would be actually the next game, just right below it though. So you got UConn, Iona. That pot right below yeah. that, where you got We're TCU. About the West bracket. Yes, West bracket at bottom right corner, bottom right quadrant. That game right below it, TCU, Arizona State, Nevada. No matter who wins that playing game, there, I think TCU gets that win. I think that's going to be the most interesting matchup. Is that next game if it's Gonzaga TCU? That and this is, is yes. this is a bracket that. I think the East bracket, which we were talking right before we got on air, I think that East bracket, it really could be a, a, a collection of teams that it's could come a out of that. Fest, yeah. Exactly, a collection of teams that come out of that. 
I think this West bracket's the interest, one of the more interesting ones, though, too, of especially that bottom quadrant. You brought up UConn, obviously, being against Iona. That could be an upset pick that some people are going to take. I think an upset pick would be TC over Gonzaga, and that also pains me to say. I know my mom's a big Gonzaga fan. She's got Gonzaga, I think, even winning the <laughs> tournament. But I just thought of that. I honestly didn't even look at that side of the bracket you know, in depth as much, but then I looked right below and I said, wow, you got TCU there. That's going to be an interesting uh, thing who comes out of there for the Elite oh, Eight. yeah. And what two teams come out of there for the way eight? Especially since this is probably Gonzaga's weakest year in probably, what, five or six They've years? They've been a one seed, two seed right? last I mean, four years. I mean, St. Mary's yeah. obviously being a legitimate contender yeah. shifts the dynamics in their conference. They're a five, St. Mary's. Right, a, a five seed, which I don't remember the last time they even had another team make the tournament as a top seed. But yeah, never never a single-digit seed, I don't think, off no. the top of my head. Like, San Francisco made it in last year, but they were like 14 right, or exactly. 13 or whatever they were. Uh, so that's obviously changes the dynamic, but also, I don't know, I mean, they don't look like world beaters like they usually do. No. I, don't, I, I, I will admit, I usually have sort of a low opinion of Gonzaga because I feel like they play a bunch of weak teams and get rewarded with a one or two seed every time. That didn't happen this year. They got a three seed, and, I mean, the record wasn't as good, but... I, they played, obviously, I think, I think it looked like a yeah. seed to me, personally. Yeah, I get that. But they play the game of basketball really well. Yes. And that's the thing that, that any team in this tournament that plays the game well, you can make a run. If you just hit your free throws, limit turnovers, oh, you're going to be in a lot of games. Yes. You're going to be in a lot of games. That's what they do well. They limit their turnovers. They shoot free throws well. Villanova every single year, I'd want to pick against them. But you know they're always going to win at least a couple games because they limit turnovers and shoot free throws well. Oh, yeah. Obviously, Villanova, that's another blue blood team that's not in this. Yeah, which That's another one crazy. we just mentioned, which is nuts. Uh, but that's the thing about, I think, with March Madness in general is if you have teams that can limit turnovers and shoot threes, that's one thing I should have mentioned. Yeah. If you, you need, have a team you need, that can... You need players who can shoot the three ball. Absolutely. Because right? it, it's, it's tough for teams to stop. You're playing against teams like, let's say, Oral Roberts when they faced Ohio State three years ago now in 2020. Ohio State was not ready at all. Or 2021 it was. Was not ready at all for Oral Roberts because, first off, they're playing weak opponents, basically, Oral Roberts. I mean, they're not weak themselves. They, they were actually 18-0 this year in that conference. But in the Summit League, but they're a good team. Don't get me wrong. But I'm saying the teams they're playing against aren't that great. So you're watching film of them, uh, film for them against teams that, you know, aren't obviously yeah. as good as, you know, what teams like Ohio State are playing, obviously, in the Big Ten. Factor in the fact that you don't know how it's going to translate you playing versus that team. Obviously, Ohio State didn't work for or Roberts was yeah. shooting threes lights out. They couldn't cover them. Yeah. I, and I, that's why I like March Madness. I was going to say, I feel like I would have to look over the stats for this, but I feel like three-point shooting sort of, uh, translates well against better competition in a way that like being able to drive to the rim just doesn't because you're going to be when you're facing a team like Ohio State that last year or you know Ohio Kansas, State or whoever, Kansas, whoever, yeah. whoever you're facing absolutely blue blood, insert blue blood here they're going to have a five star center or power oh, yeah. forward who's going to be swatting the shit out of everything definitely and that's just some I mean it's it's like playing a whole another sport whereas at least with your three ball you know like. There's only so you know. There's only so fast a human being can get to definitely the no three point for line. sure for sure. And if we want to talk about an interesting matchup, Duke Oral Roberts. Yeah, the there you go. Drilled it. Uh, Duke with the five seed. Oral Roberts with the twelve. Uh, I mean, I'm still gonna pick Duke. Me too. I'm gonna go Duke there, but I think it's gonna be a close game. I think the line was yes. like I think five and a half, six and a half. I think Oral Roberts will be in that game. I'm gonna take pick, take Duke. I like Duke. I like John Shire, the head coach. Very good coach. They started getting things right towards the end of the yeah, season. I think they won 8-9 in the last games. Like they've gained some momentum. I mean, they look great in the ACC tournament. Definitely. They, and they have they, so much talent. That's yeah. the thing. They're deep. They obviously have guys healthy now. They didn't have guys healthy when they played That's BC true. earlier in the season in beginning of January. They were without their starting guard, Jeremy Roach. They got him back healthy. 
Mitchell's playing great. Mark Mitchell's been playing great as of late. John Shai's a great coach. Um, and I like what I like about that Duke team that obviously in years past, the ACC was probably better over, overall in years this past. This is definitely a weaker year. It's a weaker ACC. year. But they started to find that footing towards the end of the year and started beating some good teams in the ACC. Obviously, the ACC wasn't as good as they are in years past. But yeah. they got some big wins toward the end of the season. Obviously, made a run in that ACC tournament, which was huge. Yes, so. I would have to agree. I mean, just the fact that Virginia was the top team and Virginia looks like the typical Virginia team. They have a completely suffocating defense and their offense can disappear at any time. D- exactly. I mean, Every single year. It's crazy. Part of it's just an issue of recruiting, but it is crazy that they they are always like that, and they somehow won a national championship. Like exactly, that. that's the it, thing. It's it's who knows. Um, it's crazy how they can always do that. They always play just great defense, and then somehow they figure it out. Somehow they find a way to out. hit some shots every now and then. Like Kyle yeah. guy hitting some big shots, but like Duke, though, like you said, they started to get things right towards the end of the year. Yes, obviously winning the ACC tournament, making a run. I thought was going to be they were obviously going to make it into the tournament. Everyone knew they were going to make it in, but I thought making somewhat of a run in the ACC tournament would give them some momentum heading into this. I think them so, winning yeah. is huge, especially yeah, getting the four seed is it's huge. A much safer path than I like them more than Virginia, seed. like you said too. Yeah, that is a, a safer path as well. Great point there. I like them more than Virginia. Virginia, where are they at? They're they three seed, correct? They're four seed, four seed against Furman. Furman. Which is a matchup they should win easily. Yeah, I But would we'll agree. probably have to go up against San Diego State. Which would be a game. Or what? Charleston. If Charleston were to be an uh, upset, that would be a crazy upset. But Charleston's yeah. a good team. Right. It'd Although be, I will say if San Diego State wins, I think I'd feel pretty comfortable picking them over Virginia. I would I would right. actually probably second that, honestly. I don't. It's like I saw Virginia play. And here's the thing about Virginia. They went cold. They actually shot, I think, 29% from the floor against BC. That was the worst they shot all season. But they weren't great even defensively against BC. They're a great defensive team overall in the year, but they weren't great against BC defensively. So, especially in March Madness, you're only playing some teams that are ready, obviously. And some teams are playing, I mean, Charleston, if they weren't upset San Diego State, that'd be obviously a big upset. That's just what I'm throwing out there just because I like the Colonial Athletic Conference. That's where Northeastern plays. Charleston, obviously, is a team in there. So I'd root for that conference to get a win, obviously. But you're going to play against teams that are playing, obviously Virginia's playing to try to win March Madness, and every team wants to win it, but you're playing against a team like Charleston that's just happy to be there too at the same time. You know what I mean? They're, yeah, playing, with, sure. they're playing with house money just being there. If they get a win, that's a lot of momentum. Look at what Oral mm-hmm. Roberts did a few years ago. They're playing with a lot of momentum, and Oral Roberts was a second away from beating Arkansas going to the Elite Eight. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing. San Diego State, I do like, though, I'd, I'd say, over Virginia in that matchup. Uh, another matchup that I think is interesting is Kentucky-Providence. Yep. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big Kentucky guy, but... It's a tough I, matchup. I, it's a t- I think it's it's you would look at it and not think it's a six seed, eleven seed matchup. To me, that reads like a seven eight matchup because I feel like they are very close. Yeah, talent wise, I would agree. Like I, would I, agree. I, feel, I mean, Providence had a rocky season at points, but I think they were still a very quality team. Providence um, a good squad, definitely. You know? And Kentucky had a under, good year. Under, I mean, underperformed good. based yes. on what you'd expect, but one hundred percent are still a very solid there. team. Very good team overall. It's a 6 versus 11 there. You look at what Kentucky's done on the year. 6-4 in the last 10, third in the SEC. Um, I've actually, I'm a Kentucky fan. I don't watch as much of them this year as I typically do in years past. I still would roll with them, obviously, through a couple games. Last year, I had them winning the tournament when I was actually watching more of their games, and then they lost, obviously, I, first round. I, I, they, so. they felt like a, a world beater the last year, I will say. Yeah, that was just devastating. I don't know how that happened, but at the end of the day, Credit to St. Peter's. That's a team that just drilled yeah. threes. They drill yeah. big shots. There you go. That's what you need to do in March Madness. Drill big shots. Providence could have it in them. They obviously were high seed last year. I think they were three or four last year. Yeah. They were high seed last year. 
Uh, but the best player, Bryce Hopkins, actually is a transfer from Kentucky. Having 16 points a game, 8 rebounds. I did not know that. Transfer That's, from Kentucky. That is interesting. So we'll see how they obviously do. And then there's kind of a veteran lineup. Ed Croswell, he's been there. I think, I think he's a senior now. Mm-hmm. Uh, after 13 points a game, 7 rebounds. He gets big boards. Can make a couple big shots down low in the post. That's one thing with this Providence team, a vet team. I think that's what helps in a lot of these teams. If you look at Drake, that was a team I just re- I was just reading oh, about. Yeah. They're all twenty three years old in their lineup, except yes. I think their one guy is twenty, their best that, player. Well, that's another player thing of the that's year been in the conference. Making things so messy in college basketball is the fact that you have these fifth year guys because of COVID. Exactly, like you have the, like, and I think that is a real benefit to teams that aren't the top of the recruiting. It's like being able to have a guy for you know four or four years in the system. Yeah, I mean four years as a starter. Definitely. Maybe. Exactly. Which never happens, you know, for like a three-star. Three-star guys, you know, start one or two years when best. they're... Best. Right. If that, if that, that's the best-case scenario. Yeah. Now you have guys like, A, they're old, like just stronger, more in shape, but also Definitely. just being in the system that long, playing with the same group of guys. I mean, you know, it's... Definitely. Hard to measure that. Definitely. It's, it's chemistry. Right. And especially compared to most of the top seeds are one and dones. Yeah. You know, a lot of them. There's, yeah, there's, yeah. Your stars are one and dones. You know, you have Kentucky role, every year. Right. You have role players who are, you know, four three or four year guys, but usually mm-hmm. I mean look at Alabama. You know. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> he ain't sticking around. Yeah. No, you're not wrong about that. Duke filling over. I mean right. all, all, all those, those guys yes. All those big recruits they typically just do the one and done. Best case scenario, one and done, stay healthy. Get drafted right away. If you get hurt, sometimes they come back for a second. You just try to get exactly. obviously another chance. But even when guys do get hurt, sometimes they still choose to go. Michael yeah, Porter I mean, Jr. Look, still look, chose look at, to go. Look at Kyrie, he played Kyrie. Games. Kyrie, exactly. Michael Porter Jr. Uh, Zion even got hurt, which everyone knew was going to be the first pick anyways. He got yeah. hurt towards the end of the year. Um, obviously, didn't hurt. You know the Pelicans. You know chance of drafting. <laughs> they still going to take him down to one, one overall. But point being is, that sometimes you get a guy that's hurt and they come back a second year. Yes. Sometimes you don't, though. You know, yes. Like you said, with Kyrie, he's a great example. I didn't even think of Kyrie. That was the first guy that came to my head, but great example. But uh, just I mean, just to say it's like this is uh, – the fifth year has definitely been a boon for smaller teams. I mean, it is – I mean, you know it just playing – Basketball, you know, yeah. play, Playing pickup games, you know, playing Sports against the guy who's, yeah. who's four years older than you, it's different. You know? Definitely. It's like you're going to get pushed around more. Even doesn't definitely. matter how athletic you are. They have the yeah. They have a different view of the game too. When you play four years, you see so many looks. Look at Tom right. Brady. I mean, even though Brady didn't have the best year in Tampa Bay, <laughs> he still can read looks and tell you what the defense is doing. Eli Manning can do that. I think it just yeah. helps playing. I'm not comparing myself to oh, Eli yes. knowing the game, experience but I'm just saying like experience, experience is huge. Matters. Yes. Even if you're struggling, you're not having the best game out there, you can still see looks and say you know even though I'm not going to hit this big shot, I know this guy's going to get open in the corner. You know, set this guy this way. You know, what's Roll right, someone drive down the lane, kick it out. You know the game of basketball. And you know that too, being in the paint. I mean, you see things differently than I would at the top of the key. You know what I mean? That's yeah. that's how it is. We, Just like can, baseball. Yeah, we'll talk about Oh, anyway. It's different at shortstop versus <laughs> being yes, a catcher yes. or a pitcher. You see the game differently. But I, I'm sorry, I mean, it's up with No, no, you're good. Um, which we'll know. get into, obviously, talking uh, basketball too, of course, the NBA. But yeah. um, we'll get Timmy and Matt on. And Tim, Tim, Timmy, Matt, get them on, talk a little much. Madison, we'll probably talk anything sports, um, you know, probably talk a lot of NBA, which yeah, I know. I was going to say, we should make this a basketball episode. We, we can make this a lot, lot of there's basketball. There's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to talk about in the NBA. Um, we'll probably get their picks and much, Madison, and then obviously roll into some NBA talks. Let me get them on. Give me one minute to get everything coordinated, and I'll be back on with you guys in just one minute. Here we are live back on air on WZBC AM Sports Radio. I got Timmy on. I got Matt on. Two, two of the biggest sports fans I know. Two of the biggest fans of the show as well. Matt, long-time listener. Obviously, obviously, has called in before. And Timmy's probably the biggest listener I have. Always tuning in. Always uh, locked into the conversation. Texting me his thoughts. Matt's come on before. 
Timmy, you have not. So welcome to the radio. Happy to have you on. Appreciate it. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing great. How are yeah, you doing, Matt? Well here. Great to have you guys on. I appreciate it. Thank you guys for taking the time. We'll start with some much Madness talk. Don't going to go crazy in depth. Obviously, it's obviously a lot going on in the bracket with 64 teams. But we can start with maybe teams you like, teams you like to fall off. I know, which we just talked before we got on air, Matt. You're a big Georgetown fan. You just gave a good stat about Georgetown that obviously would be against a four seed, right, Virginia. So uh, you can repeat that stat because I liked it. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of went along the same lines of what you guys had said. Virginia, Virginia, they play an unbelievable defense, the pack line. There's, there's no denying it. It's really hard to score against them. But they, they, they were very pathetic offensively this year. And, you know, Georgetown was 7-25, and 2-18 and 18 in conference play. They averaged just under 70 points a game, 69.5 to be exact. And Virginia averages about 67. So usually when you're scoring less points than a team that won two games in conference play, that's not a good sign. Definitely. It's hard to put a lot of stock in them. That, you're exactly right. And that's what the weaker ACC than typically in years past, too. you got to factor that in as well. So. Yeah, I mean, they, they scored, what, about 45 against BC this yeah, year? Yeah, it was bad. They shot 29% before. And, and, that's, and that, wasn't a, that wasn't a great BC team either. No, you're right. No, you're right. BC, that was a big upset win for them. But considering how poorly Virginia shot that night, I mean, I don't know how you can be a uh, four seed. Which I, I understand overall in the whole season, they had a good season overall record-wise. But to be a four seed and be shooting 29% against BC is obviously not the best look. Um, and averaging 67 a game under what Georgetown's doing isn't the best either. But uh, Georgetown, though, that's, that's a team that used to be in March Madness a lot. Obviously been struggling now in the last few years. But how do you feel about them firing uh, the head coach? Obviously, Pat Yeah, Pat Ewing. Yeah, I mean, I think it was a, a year or two too late. That one Big East tournament run that we had, I think it was during the COVID year, that, that kind of bought him a new lease on life that he necessarily, I don't think he necessarily should have gotten, but... Mm-hmm. I think if they if they wanted to restore the program to what it what it could be and should be, then they had to move on from him because I think the experiment kind of failed. But it, I I saw that there's a lot of links between Georgetown and uh, Providence coach Ed Cooley, so that would be a fantastic interconference hire as well because that would knock Providence down a few pegs. I think definitely and Cooley's a proven program guy, so you know it, it wouldn't be instant overnight success, but I, I think. But who knows with the new transfer portal too? Maybe he'd be able to to, to garner some interest that way, but. I Definitely. think that would be a great hire to set, set Georgetown back in the right direction. Definitely. And Ed Cooley's great at recruiting. That's a big piece, oh, yeah. obviously. And Georgetown trying to get back on track, you need to be able to recruit. Very good school as and, well. Yeah, so yeah. and I was going to say, with the academics of Georgetown, too, they, they're not typically able to get the one-and-done guys. I mean, not all that often. I mean, we, they had Iverson. That was kind of the one real example. Mm-hmm. But they more so need to get guys that are going to be there two, three, four years. Jeff Green. So I think I think having a guy like Cooley, who, who who's a program culture guy, that's it's just a good fit. Definitely. I'd agree with you there. I wish they were in the bracket for you, but obviously it wasn't the best year. But maybe next year, you never know. Obviously, you're just going to yeah, be back just, on track. Yeah, just, just 10 to 15 wins away, you know. It was, they, they just missed <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> That's a tough Big East, though. There's a lot of Big East teams, obviously, in this tourney and could make a potential run, obviously. So, we'll start off. Any teams you guys like or don't like? Obviously, we started with Virginia. Tim, we were just talking about Charleston before we got on air. I like them as a potential upset. San Diego State's a very good team. Exactly. But Charleston plays the game very well. Uh, I watched them a lot over the years. They played against Northeastern. Their former head coach is now BC's head coach, Earl Grant. He's a great coach, recruited very well uh, to that program. I think that could be a potential upset. They shoot the three ball very well, too. So we'll see. But we'll start anywhere you guys want. I know you like Gonzaga, Timmy. I'm sorry what I was saying about them. I, I, I think they're a good team. Don't get me wrong. But I was saying India's past, they obviously were better. That's what we both agreed upon. They also have to play maybe TCU. I'm a big TCU fan. But we'll see what happens, though. You like Gonzaga. I know my mom does as well. They play the game obviously a strong way, shooting free throws, and that's what you need to they're do. They're a Jesuit, they're a Jesuit school, right? Uh, I, I believe so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think yeah. so. 
So you got them. Obviously, no, no Loyola Chicago this year. So missing one there, unfortunately. It's a devastating loss. Uh, but, yeah, I, I like them to obviously, if they get past TCU, they could obviously make a run. Uh, I think TCU's going to be a tough matchup for them. I think it'll be a tough game. So, so why am I hearing so much about Alabama this year? I mean, they're a great I'll let you team. Take that. Like, aren't there issues off the – There's issues off the court with the team. Yeah. Uh, their best player had some accusations come out about him and – a situation he was involved in off the court. He's still playing, though. It seems like he might have got past that. Great player, though, overall on the court. Obviously, you don't want the things off the court, uh, you know, to be in your mind or in yeah. discussions. So dis- that's a, obviously a disruption in the locker room. Obviously, I mean, unless, unless any of these players get arrested, I don't really see it affecting their play. Yeah. Because uh, they, I mean, they came out, after, after all the news came out, they, they showed up and, like, blew the doors off every team they played after that. Yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. We'll see if that continues. I don't know. But it seems like, yeah. It they, seems, looked, they looked really good. It seems like it might have propelled that. them, maybe just uh, with everything. But they're a very good team. They score the ball very well. They're right up there in points per game. That's one thing that helps. Um, and obviously, they're they the they, they, got a ton of, they, they do an interesting thing on defense where they do drop coverage off of any pick and roll where they yeah. kind of just yeah. dare anybody to take mm-hmm. floaters. So I, yeah. I think that they're one of the top top teams in the country that allow the most floaters, which it, it, they're about from the foul line out, over a seven-footer. So it's not a high-percentage shot. You're right. Yeah. I love how you bring the stats in. I was just telling Dylan before you, we, I got you guys on that you came on to talk about the Celtics and the NBA playoffs. You brought a million stats in that were all drilled accurate. It was nuts. He brought a million stats and everything was right. The Celtics would, I think you said in five, they won in four. I had the Nets in seven, I think. Uh, yeah, you the, I apologize to the listeners for, for getting that one wrong. I should have known the Celtics were going to sweep the Nets. I <laughs> think <laughs> you had them in five, which is nuts. Which is nuts, because I don't think anyone would have had them in anything less than six or seven. Uh, but you had them in five. You brought really good stats that backed it up. You made a great point, which I was a victim of this. He said, he, you said live on air and you, you drilled it. He said, I think you're getting too caught up in the names game. You have Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant. You're too caught up in them and not talking about like the team as a whole. And you were right. I think I just that bought was, into the, was, the names yeah, too much. Uh, with obviously Kevin Durant being still a top three player in the NBA, I bought into that team maybe too much, more than I should have, uh, more than I should have as a Celtics fan too. So uh, what can you do? But you brought in great stats, and obviously you bring an insight to all sports. I'm excited to hear what you have about March Madness. We can go as far as you guys want into it. Uh, maybe talk about winners. Timmy, you got Gonzaga, so I, I, that's who you got, correct? I got Gonzaga, but I mean, I always like to... This is what I love about Mark Madness. There's always a Cinderella. Usually a Cinderella every year team. So every I'm year, wondering, I'm wondering if that's Charleston, but we'll see. I, hey, I mean, it's not impossible. And UNC was an 11 last year. They made a run. Uh, a maybe they team. maybe they won't make it to the final, but maybe they'll make it far. So. They could. I mean, if they win one game, I think that that's huge momentum going into the next one. Always just winning one game, winning a first game for any team, even the favorite teams. Winning that first game is obviously big momentum going into the second one. Because if you lose, obviously you're out. But I think if you just win, especially as an underdog, usually catch fire and go on runs. Like Oral Roberts did. We were talking about that uh, exactly. 10 minutes ago. Oral yeah. Roberts got hot and they went on that big run. So it's not impossible. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just about playing the game the right way. And Charleston could shoot the ball. And I think that's a big thing. I think there's always at least one left. They got, that makes the elite. I think they've got like five guys that average about 10 points a game too. Yep. So it's like, they're, they're not, they don't have like a one player that you can try to shut down. It's, it's, it's kind of, it's pretty unique. It's like a total team effort. Definitely. And like you were just saying, that's what you just said. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's like you, when you make your bracket, it's like, you don't, you don't see a team where it's like, Oh, this is the 11 seed. that's going to make the elite eight. But, Every year there is yeah. usually at least one. One I mean, double seed, unusual, double digit seed, right? Yeah. Eight to eleven, you know. That makes like, at least a sweet sixteen. Yeah, 
And that's why it's hard to pick which one's going to be that one. That's the thing. That's the impossible thing. Um, I, I, if I could pick one team to make a run that's like a double-digit seed, I don't know. That's the hard thing because I think like if Vermont wasn't playing Marquette, I like Marquette a lot. I think Vermont actually could win a game if they weren't playing Marquette. I like Marquette to make a run, so I can't take them against Vermont. But Vermont winning, I think it was 15 games in a row. They were... They haven't lost a game since I think January twenty second or something like that, twenty first. They haven't lost a game in just about two months. I like that team a lot. I wish they weren't playing Marquette because I would have taken them to win at least a game or two. Um, yep. I'm trying to think though, what team? NC State. I like them actually. If I had to pick a team to win a couple games, they're playing Creighton, a good Creighton team that could shoot the ball well. Yeah, Creighton's a good team. Then they'd have to face Baylor, which is a tough matchup. Um, but like we say, I think the Big Twelve's kind of all over the place with what teams that you know. What team can make a run or not? Like you said, it could be I an upset. I, 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 I just think that you benefited from a perception of them as being a great conference. Because you rank everything based on how you play against your other opponents, you know, yeah. your strength of schedule. And their strength of schedule is pretty high because every team in the Big 12 is good. So that's why they're all highly ranked. But I like NC State to make a slight run. Uh, do you guys have any Cinderella's that could potentially make a run or, or a big upset pick maybe in the first round that a team maybe doesn't have to make a big run? But maybe, let's say Drake beats Miami. I don't know if you guys have any of those takes, but... I think that uh, I, th- I think I think Memphis, if they can get if they can t- beat uh, Florida Atlantic, I think they can give Purdue a run for their money. Because I mean, I would Memphis agree. Plays, I, th- I, I think that Purdue, they're a good team. And Eddie's having an incredible year. He's arguably the best player in college basketball. Yeah, and definitely. The, the thing that's the thing that's unique about them is, I mean, if you're if you're going to double Eddie, he's able. He's a good post passer as well, so they'll be able to swing the ball around, find the open shooter. Definitely. But I just think Memphis is they're such a big physical tough team, like that they they were they were able to compete with Houston and take that game all the way to the wire. And I mean, I, I think they, they showed they were able to play against the best team, arguably in college basketball. I think they can give Purdue a run for their money as well. Definitely. I'd agree with you there. That's, 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 that's a good take. That. I like Memphis a lot. I love Penny Hardaway. So I would, I would side with you on that one. If Memphis could just get past Florida Atlantic, I think they could win that game. Yeah. And I feel like they're pretty underseated, like not underseated, but they sort of underperformed where they usually expected to. Definitely. An eight seed. I, they could definitely be a five they, six yeah. talent wise. They they've been like a fringe top twenty five team, and I think they might have finished the year in the top twenty five. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, that they lost because they only lost by like five five or seven points against Houston. So yeah. yeah, that's a great point. He just said that they were undeceived, and you were right too. Eight seed there. I think it's because the Big Twelve is so highly ranked. Like you said, there's so many teams that are in the that five seeds. Yeah, yeah. and they they are in the greatest conference. It's kind of it's pretty top heavy. It's similar Amazing. similar with Gonzaga, St. Mary's type of situation. Yeah. But Definitely. Again, those two those two have a little bit more precedence than than Memphis and and Houston. 100, 100%. Is, I agree with you there. Is Purdue going to make it to the Final Four? I don't know. I They're a very good team. I think if any of the one seeds were to fall early, it'd be either them or, who's my other one I said, them or Houston would be my one to fall. They have a very tough. They're in the toughest bracket, that, I think. That, that bracket has a lot of landmines. The East is very good. We were just breaking it down before we got on I air. I like a lot of teams. I think it's the most interesting part of it. Just Definitely. You know, it's like, I like if you're asking me to pick a Cinderella, it'd probably be Kentucky at eleven, or Kentucky at six versus Providence eleven. Yeah, yeah, or Michigan State. Yeah, at seven. Uh, you know, both of those teams look quietly scary to me. And then at the same time, they'd have to beat Marquette. Like, Definitely, that's a very tough road. Or Kansas State. I mean, those are well, that whole know, that whole side: yeah. Duke, Memphis, Purdue. Yeah. They're all good. Tennessee, Kentucky, Providence, uh, even Kansas State, which. I think it's just another Big 12 thing being highly ranked. I think they probably could have been a 4 or 5. Actually, they're like the they're one, good team, they're though. They're like one of the few Big 12 teams that I really do believe in. No, they're but, a good team, though. Yeah. They're a good sometimes, team. Sometimes Providence, though, surprises me. They're, they're just, they always think they're a powerhouse. And 
don't know. Sometimes they they don't step up. No, you're right. No, you're not wrong about that. They were three seed or four seed last year, I think. I think they're a down year for them too. Yeah, like they're they're, they're they're usually known for their defense and their 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 kind of grit. But this year, it's more they 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 put up a lot more points again. Points, they're yeah. also giving up a lot of points. They're, they're shooting they're, more. They're, it's kind of uncharacteristic. For I was just praising Ed Cooley, but yes, yeah. I don't know if it's him or the kids, but it's been a little uncharacteristic of them this year. They're not like as mentally tough as most Providence teams have been. I would agree with you there. Maybe it's just the conference too is going more towards scoring too. That's yeah, it's mean. been a, it's a really competitive conference this year. I mean, a lot of scoring. Didn't even make the tournament and they were unranked, and that's just how good the Big East is now. Yeah, and that's another thing. That's why I love a lot of teams in the Big East, which he's a St. John's fan, so obviously Big East squad there. That's another team that could have made it in and didn't. That's another team that's on the fringe, right? They, they're probably uh, it would have been generous. But they're probably like the last. So there's the first four out, then there's the next four. They were probably in that next next four out. Realistically, they were still you know within ten probably <laughs> a good team, but. That's how good the Big East is. I mean, it's just competitive. They went over the team that makes it in every year just about. Yeah. They didn't make it in. UNC, ACC wasn't even as good this year. They didn't even make it in. I think it's – that's the thing with college basketball this year. There could be a million upsets because I feel like it's just so more – so much more even, at least within the top teams, than it typically is. There's no number one favorite where everyone's going all in on them. Like every year, usually Gonzaga, that's a team that everyone's going all in on. You know, I think there could be any of these teams that could win, especially considering the one seeds with – I think Kansas might be the best one of them, but a lot of people might go Alabama. I think it's just – I feel like you, there's a million ways you could go with your bracket, a lot more than in, in years past, I would say. And that's why I like that it's wide open. You could see a team like Charleston make it run. Who knows? You know? But I think – You never know. I, I would agree with you. But I think that east side of the bracket's the toughest one, though. Or Roberts, Duke, yeah, Marquette, Vermont. Yeah. I like Vermont. As I said, I would have taken Vermont against – if you flip it and I'm taking Vermont, if there are two and they're playing UCLA, did, I actually may take Vermont. Like, it might sound crazy, but I like Vermont the way did, they play. Did Vermont just maybe – I have this right. Did they just beat UMass Lowell? They did beat UMass Lowell. They won the uh, American yeah. East Tournament by winning that. Yeah, huge. They're a good team. They play the game very yeah, well. I mean, and they, 15 wins in a row too, which is nuts. Yeah. Hard to do. So I, I, I would have liked them. What were we saying, Matt? I'm sorry to interrupt. I was, I was – as I heard you kind of say, you thought the the East region was the toughest too. I I think it's the mid the Midwest is an extremely tough region yeah. too. I mean, bring Houston, they're the number one overall seed. They have to play essentially in a away game if they if they and Auburn make it to the second round because that game's going to be in Alabama. Which you're right. I mean, I don't know who let that happen, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know how that happened either. They, that's like I a, think that it's Houston, Houston might take it because Houston yeah. might take it though because the the final four I believe is in, is in Houston, so they'd have a last two final games assuming they make it there, but. With their star player out injured, I don't know what his timetable for return is. That could be that could be a, a game that busts a lot of brackets. I think, assuming Auburn can pull off their their, their first round matchup against Iowa. Definitely, yeah, he's out with that groin injury, Marcus Sasser, and he's I think he was the player of the year in the conference. Uh, yeah, American yeah. Athletic uh, Conference Player of the Year in his 17 a game. So he's a big loss, obviously, offensively and even defensively as well. He averaged 1.7 steals a game. So that's a big loss, like you said. And and I don't know how they really structured that, giving them basically a home game, which I don't know how they you know. They figure those things out. But maybe they love Alabama, like you were saying. Maybe just that's how it goes. The selection committee loves Alabama in football always. So uh, could be the same thing in basketball. Yeah. But I think the Midwest SEC one's pretty bias. interesting. It is. SEC bias for sure. It brings in all the money. That's why. That's 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 how yeah. it goes. Um, but yeah, I, I think in that, mid, in, that, in that Midwest, I think Iowa State, that's a tough six seed too. I mean, yeah. they, they force they the most turnovers in the entire country with the, the way they play their defense, the no middle, I believe it's called. It was Chris Beard's defense from a few yeah. years ago mm-hmm. at Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. It's it works. incredible to watch. I mean, they they force they force college kids to make tough decisions, and you know when you do that, you force young enough guys to make those types of decisions. They're probably going to make the wrong one enough times. So 
I yeah. don't think it's a bunch of turnovers, and their record's a bit misleading, just again, because they played in such a strong conference. Definitely. I would agree. They play good defense. Another team that talked about forcing turnovers, Marquette was one of the best in the country at forcing turnovers. They, they'll oh, they'll yeah. make you force over 20 times a game. Different defense than Iowa State runs, but that Iowa State team could make a run. It's a tough six. I don't really think too much about them on that right side, but that, that's a good point. I probably was going to go Texas on that right side. They'd have I, to play I, Texas later I on. Have Texas. That's who I, I have Texas coming out of the Midwest. But That's probably what I, I have too I, as of now. I yeah. still got to finalize my bracket. I didn't really get to finalize Me things too. yet. Joe. You're getting Hey, you're just listening out for insight. You're doing gotta, some homework. I got to finalize my bracket too. <laughs> you're doing some homework, Matt, Timmy. I love it. You're doing Matt, your homework. Um, Matt has created a bracket for, I mean, uh, to, which is to have a little tournament. With our families. There so you go. Be, a little money involved, a little $5 bet turns into maybe 100 <laughs> There you go. Why not? Maybe $10 when you sell a couple hundred. Timmy, you might you might do it. I, I, I trust. So I'm gathering all this information, and then I'll make my choices. I love it. So. I, wish I, the thing, I wish I did a breakdown of each matchup, which I'll probably try to do before Thursday. I didn't get to do it today, um, which I'll try to give more insights. Maybe you'll hear that. Timmy, I'll let you know what I got on the rest of those. But that, that Midwest bracket, that was tough, though. I would agree with you there. I like Kennesaw State, even though I think Xavier wins that game. Kennesaw State, another team that's coming in hot, playing good basketball, can shoot the ball well, and force turnovers, too. So that's a tough uh, Midwest. I would agree with you there. Um, so for winners overall, that's the thing. I don't really have my full bracket done yet, so if I had to pick a winner right now, I, I maybe would roll with, I guess, Kansas winning again. I don't know. That's, what, uh, that's how I'd feel as of now. But... I like TCU to make a run though in that in that uh, West bracket. But if you guys had to pick a winner right now, I know you got Gonzaga, Timmy, Matt. If you had to pick a winner right now, who do you got? Which it could change. I, when, I, when I filled out my bracket, I, I had uh, I had the, the final was Alabama versus Texas. I, okay, I, I, just I like that. Texas Texas has kind of just really put it all together, and I know Bill Self wasn't at the game, and Kansas has some injuries going on as well. But they absolutely dismantled Kansas in that Big Twelve championship because yep. I had. I had a lot of doubts about Texas the team, but they've kind of they just, they just look so complete. They they can they can score from every phase of the game. They play incredible defense. They're pretty deep. I I just feel like they I feel like they they kind of just have what it takes. They have the good mixture of underclassmen and upperclassmen. I really like their coach, so I I, I was rolling with Texas. I like Texas there too. Actually, I'd probably take them right now coming out of the West uh, Midwest with you. I think that's my pick as of now there, too. Um, I would say Kansas as of now, just because even though they did get blown out that Big 12 game, all year long can score consistently. But that's another thing. I mean, I feel like you can get a team that gets cold, and Kansas got really cold in that game against uh, Texas, obviously. But they have an easier road, at least to the top half of it. They they play either Arkansas or Illinois if they get out of that first game. Then win that, maybe even play St. Mary's or VCU, UConn, Iona. So they have an easier road to get to that uh, lead eight there in that top half. That's why I had... Uh, yeah. Kansas there, yeah, but we'll a- see. A&M's a, A&M's a tough game for Texas. A&M's good. Round. I-, I would agree with you there. That is a tough game, but I think they can win that one. That's a, obviously a good rivalry, too, having Texas A&M, Texas. Yeah. Uh, that obviously be a fun one to watch. Uh, then who do you got winning it, Dylan, if you had to pick one right now? Which, these can change. I know we, yeah. I know all three, four of us have agreed. We obviously didn't do as much research we wanted to come in as we did research, but we all obviously wanted to do probably more. So, you don't get, you're not set to anything here. Uh, I think it's <laughs> my head, probably Marquette. Marquette. I like Marquette, too. I like That's Marquette, nice. too. But I'm going to say that, like, what team looks the strongest right now? Probably Alabama. Bama, yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, that that could change. I um, hope they don't win, though. <laughs> yeah, I know you're not a big Bama guy. I know that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's enough that so they're much, good so at much, football. Too much Alabama. Too much Alabama, yeah. I, I 100% agree. Uh, so, yeah, I'll say Marquette. I like Marquette coming out of there, too. I, I actually have... 
Marquette, one of the ones I filled out like within three minutes when I was coming back from Another class. So. Was cool, by the way. It's Marquette. They're a good squad, too. They're a good Another team. Another Big East team, too. Love it. Yeah, you've got to root for the Jesuit schools for sure. I like that. No BC in there, so we already lost one, unfortunately. Uh, BC obviously didn't have the best year, but they're they obviously making progress, which is good. Uh, that's what they've got to do. But So you got Alabama obviously making a run. I think all of us could probably agree Alabama making a run, except maybe Timmy not. You'd probably want to root against them maybe in that game if they were to play. It would be Charleston, actually, if they were to make a run and play each other in the Sweet 16. Um, if they both made a run, obviously. But uh, Timmy has uh, his final four picks up. Bama, Duke, Houston, UCLA, his son, Timmy. He's got Bama, Duke, Houston, UCLA, Bama-UCLA final, and he's got UCLA getting the win. And always a big UCLA guy, so I'd hope that for his sake. He loves UCLA. I know he's a big UCLA guy. He stayed with them for for years now, which I like. And every sport, too. UCLA football. Yeah, I remember. He was a big fan back in the day, the Rosen days. He's a fan. I love it, though. I love that he stayed loyal to that team. Uh, That's not a bad pick. UCLA, a lot of people have coming out. Um, and they're healthy for the most. Even though they lost their point guard, I think it was. Let me see what his name is. I had it written down here. Uh, Jalen Clark out for the year with an Achilles injury. He's a defensive player in the Pac-12. They had another guard coming back healthy. Um, so finding yeah, somehow some. Yes, you got it down right there. One guy coming back healthy. One guy obviously hurt. Uh, so it obviously doesn't help health wise. But they get one guy back, which is a big, big piece. And then obviously losing the defensive player of the year, not the best. But they can score the ball. That I mean, when it comes to March Madness, you need teams that can hit some clutch shots. UCLA can do that. Um, and that's obviously big. So we'll see what happens. But now we can transition. I was talking NBA, MLB, NFL. There's a lot to talk about in the NBA. Um, we can start off with the Celtics, start off with the Knicks. He's a Knicks fan, so we'll talk both Celts, Knicks, NBA landscape. What have no you guys idea. seen? I have no idea what happened last night. I'm obviously a tough loss to the Rockets. Hey, it's only one game, though. And I think, I think what the Celtics are doing is what the Clippers are doing, what the Warriors are doing, what a lot of teams in the NBA are doing. My mom told me this a few weeks ago. I, I agree with her. Some teams are just waiting for the playoffs to a degree. I'm not saying it's the best strategy, but some teams are waiting for the playoffs. The Celtics losing to the Rockets, if they were, let's say the Celtics were a 7 seed and they needed that win to get in, they'd obviously be mad. The Celtics will come back. I think they play tomorrow night against Minnesota. They'll come back and probably be rejuvenated, be, be refreshed. I think I it's a long NBA season. I just want them to have home court advantage in the, in the playoffs. Well, they're, they're only a half game ahead of, I think, it's Philadelphia now for the second seed. So they're, they're, they're a full game ahead. A full game ahead. All right, they're a full game ahead of yeah, Philadelphia. Okay. Uh, it is pretty close. Yeah, what have you guys seen yeah, from Philly's, the Celtics? Philly's rattled off like five straight. Yeah, Philly's been on a run. And James Harden, obviously, with Maxie and, and, and Bede, has shown to be a better big three than they had with, obviously, Simmons being there before. And uh, and obviously, they tried it. Tobias Harris being part of the big three. That didn't really work. He's better as a role player. But um, what have you seen from the Celtics, though, Matt? I know you obviously bring a lot of insight into the Celtics. You're a big NBA fan. What have you seen from them all year long? Obviously, the last few games hasn't been the best, but... All year long, they've been a consistent team that's obviously been right up there with the Bucks, the Nuggets being the best teams in the NBA. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. I mean, it's, what's nice about this Celtics team compared to the Celtics teams in the past is that the Celtics team actually has some bench scoring and depth. With they, they can lean, they, they can they can lean on Brogdon to come and lead the second unit, give Tatum and Tatum and Brown less responsibility and, and less minutes in some of those secondary lineups, which which is used for preserving their longevity because it's a long season and. Last year, we kind of saw that they eventually ran out of gas just from playing so many minutes in so many games. So being able to have some guys, secondary guys come off the bench and, and carry some of that burden is, has been huge. And similar to Milwaukee, I feel like the Celtics' actual starting five hasn't played a lot of games in minutes together. Because yeah. Yeah. Williams is hurt, or Tatum and Brown have missed some time. Horford's missed a little. Yep. Along the way. 
yeah, Smart Smart's missed some games. Horford load management and, and also some nagging injuries. So I think I think along them along with Milwaukee, there's Milwaukee more so since they've won twenty of their last twenty two. They they're hitting their stride at the right time. And Middleton is seems to be fully healthy again. He had a huge game this weekend, but I, I think the Celtics are going through a little bit of a rough patch right now, but hopefully, hopefully they can start to turn around. I, I think they'd be playing overall really good basketball. I would agree with you there. I think it's just a tough stretch, like you said. I think they could be victim of the waiting for the playoffs to start. I think that could be the real case, which I know that's not a strategy you want. I don't like that the Clippers are doing what they're doing all year and the Warriors are doing what they're doing all year long where they're if they lose a game going losing four out of six or four of six in their last ten or whatever, they don't really care as much because – these are teams that are waiting for the playoffs. The Celtics are obviously going to make a run no matter what seed they are. I think that might be the case. Some teams are getting bored, bored of the NBA uh, regular season, which I'm not a fan of. I wish guys played more games in, in the regular season. There was less load management, but that's just the way the NBA is nowadays. This load management is part of the game, which I don't know if, if it's for good or for bad. I'm not a big fan of it, but uh, you're a big Knicks guy. They typically play most games, actually. The Knicks, t- they don't really have much load well, management. Thibodeau just runs everyone for 40 minutes, so, you know, like, if you get hurt, you get hurt. They play seven guys, 40, 42 minutes a pop. I mean, I feel like we should talk about it a little bit, that Celtics-Knicks double overtime game. Yes. I think, so, the Knicks... Uh, Randall and Emmanuel quickly both played 55 minutes. Yeah, it was 55 which, and then 50 plus for yeah, three guys. It's absurdity. Um, Emmanuel quickly was skipping around like he didn't even. He, he just came off the bench in that second overtime. Yeah, that guy's crazy. Juice. Yes, I probably my favorite performance all year. Uh, but I don't want to blame them too much around all these Celtics fans. <laughs> no, you're uh, good. You're good. <laughs> you're good. I actually, I think the Knicks Celtics fans, we have a little bit of respect for each other. I mean, oh, you guys went. Right. You guys had a tough, rough patch and. Celtics really had you yeah. know, too much rough patch, but we were both think, good for a while together, and then the Celtics fell off for a year or two, and then the Knicks have been off for – they were on a little couple years ago, and the last year was tough. But I think basketball is better when Boston teams and New York teams – I think any sports in general – sports are better when New York and Boston teams are better. That's just a reality. Agreed. But, Agreed. Uh, yeah, I think – I really like this this Knicks team a lot too because it, it reminds me of the, the IT Celtics where they're really fun and cute in the regular season, but I know they're not going to do anything in the playoffs. So I – just to get my <laughs> shot in at the New York fan. <laughs> I, uh-oh. I can't say you're 100% wrong. Um, they, they definitely have a lot of issues. They're, I think, by far the heaviest ISO team in the league. The Clippers were before mm-hmm. Russ, and now, yeah. they, now they've better space. Low, like one of the lowest assist rates in the league. Not a great three-point shooting team. Um, RJ Barrett takes way too many shots. They consistent. Um, yeah, that's true. But they're also a really fun team, and they're going to be matching 100%. up probably against the Cavs. A great defensive team, too, mind you. They're right. Yeah, that's going to be, yeah. That'd be like, a bloodbath. I feel, I feel like the Cavs are at least like a match. Great series. Like, if they go up against, you know, the Celtics or whatever, like. Right now, I'd say go six or seven games. Six games, yeah. I'd say at least six or seven. Like, Philly would wipe the floor with us. I feel very comfortable saying that. But It beats tough. I mean, you got to have yeah. someone to cover. And they've been playing a while. Um, yeah, I'm with you there. Philly's been playing great. The Knicks have turned things around. Um, and obviously the Bucks yeah. are still a favorite, I'd say, in the East, even though I'd say the Celtics, they're right there with them, but betting favorites, I think the Bucks are still a favorite to come out of the East. Yeah. Um, but I think I think it'll be yeah, fun but... to watch what happens in the East, because I think the East, at least the last couple of years, obviously the Celtics, Bucks have been really good, the Sixes, but the Heat, usually really good, they don't have as good of a year. There's a team's having down years, it needs to be better. That's one thing that can help, obviously, to, to make a run, which is yeah. nice. Uh, I want to ask a, a general question and get your guys' feedback. Something we've been talking about a lot before is that this year, there's a lot of teams that had high expectations that have been kind of floundering. So, like, what do you guys think of, let's say, the Heat, the yeah. Warriors, uh, 
Clippers and the Lakers. Because to me, those are oh. all teams that came in with big expectations. Yeah. But right now, we're floating like just on the bubble in the playoffs. That's right. Four of the top eight NBA Finals favorites coming into right. the year, too. Okay. And they're all on the bubble. Uh, I'll start off with, I guess, the Clippers, which you guys you guys all know I'm big Clippers fans. Everyone, everyone knows they're a big Clippers, Clippers fan. Fans, Huge. You know that. You know that. You listen in. I know you do. Um, the one thing with the Clippers was in years past, I could rely on the everyone was hurt. And I couldn't rely on this year, this year because everyone's been healthy. I mean, Kawhi missed about 25 games, but for the most part, everyone's that's healthy, been healthy. That's healthy, that's healthy for Kawhi, and you're getting a lot of games out of him, which is good. Um, and Kawhi's been great the last 10, 15 games. He's looked like a top seven player in the NBA. Like he should be talent wise. He's there, obviously. But I could always rely on the Clippers being hurt. I haven't been able to rely on that this year, but I have been able to rely on the. They didn't have a backup center for three fourths of the season that they've played so far, and they finally got one of the trade deadline getting uh, Plumlee. They didn't have a point guard, really, at the end of the day. Reggie Jackson was. On the downtrend, John Wall, they just stopped playing him a month and a half before they traded him. John Wall's knees were done, even though I, I like John Wall, but it didn't work out. They never point guy, they never backup center. I could rely on that. They're starting to get those pieces, they're starting to turn things around. I love Russell Westbrook, so I'm a fan of that move. I'll get Matt's opinion on that in a second. I know you probably have either a good good opinion of Russ or a bad one. I know we never talked about him, but um, I feel like everyone's always loves Russ or hates Russ, so that's why I say that. Um, yeah, it's you're always you're, you're on one side of the spectrum with Russ or the other always. But uh, as for the Heat, I guess you could start with I guess they're not shooting as well. Kyle Lowry's taking a little bit of a step back. Uh, they could have made some trades at the deadline to get another piece. They were in talks to get you to get a guy like Kyrie Irving, Zach Levine. They were looking at even uh, OG Ananobi. They were looking at. They didn't want to fare ways with Lowry because Jimmy Butler loves Lowry. They didn't want to get rid of Tyler Hero. I would keep Tyler Hero over all those guys. I'm, that's maybe just because I'm biased. I love Hero, Kentucky guy, obviously. Um, as for the Lakers, I don't know. I, I I would say I guess they didn't have I guess the rotation, the best rotation, in the bench, first half of the season. Other stuff, obviously, figured out after trade deadline. But they're still pretty low. I think they're uh, an they're eight, eight or nine. Yeah, they're they're in the, they're in the play in right now. Like, yeah. So I, I'll get you guys' opinion on that, Matt. We'll start with you. Clippers, Lakers, Heat, Warriors. Start anywhere in between. You can group all of them together, whatever you like. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think I think the Warriors are because this will be the quickest and easiest one. I mean, I think that they're record-wise, it's not great, but they've had so many injuries, and now it seems like everybody's healthy and everything's going their way at the right time, kind of just like always. So it doesn't really matter where they're going to ma- where they're going to shake out in the seating. If they make the playoffs, they're going to be a contender. There's there's just that's just kind of it is what it is at this point. I did want to say um, they were seven but, three in the last ten. Seven so three in the last ten. Rallying, uh, but sorry. Continue. Yeah. Yeah. No. That's thank you. Um, but for the Clippers, Joe, I thought I thought I mean Westbrook was I thought it was a good I thought it was a good pickup. I mean it was Love it's it. an upgrade from Reggie Jackson. It's an upgrade from from John Wall. I know that's a pretty low bar, but <laughs> I, I feel like he still has he still has a lot left in the tank. He's a he, he's a he's an above average passer. He's a great athlete. I don't know what's going on or what happened with his jump shooting. I mean, I, it's it, it's just kind of crazy that, that that he's getting like the Ben Simmons, Draymond Green treatment out there. But he's I, I feel like he's he's he'll he'll be able to find a way to continue to contribute because Kawhi Kawhi Leonard to your to your point. I mean, he's ever since he's been his minutes restrictions are lifted and yeah. he's been playing. He's even played some back to backs, which I never thought I'd see never. that happen again. Never. Paul George but is doing the same, which is wild. Yeah, that like that game against the Kings, that that ridiculous like double one seventy six, one seventy five. Yeah, it's quite a yeah. game. I mean, he played he played the whole game, and then him and Paul George the very next night, or either the very next night or one night in between, it they both right were out after. there playing. Which it was right yeah, after. So I mean, 
and the output you're getting from him, there's no wasted movement. Every single step he takes is so efficient and calculated, and he's just playing incredible basketball right now. So I, I think that once the playoffs come, it's that that core is going to be good enough to, to at least make a run. Definitely. I would agree with you about the Russell Westbrook point. I think one thing the Clippers were really bad at was they loved the ISO ball, and they weren't good in transition. Now with Russell Westbrook, they're one of the best teams in transition over the last eight games with Russ. Their offensive rating is around five or six in the NBA. They're averaging, I think, fifth best points per game since they added Russ, which is good. They're starting to score the ball more. They're starting to shoot better. And Russell Westbrook, over his whole career historically, has been great with two things. Shooting around him, he's always been great at driving, kicking it out. And he's been great with a big man that can help, you know, with the pick and roll. Zubat's been great with that. Zoo's been good with that. And also Plumlee. I think Russ is going to thrive in this uh, Clippers system. Obviously, there's only 15 games left to go, but I think he's going to thrive for the rest of the season and hopefully make a run. Uh, it's a great point, like you said, that obviously with Kawhi Leonard being fully healthy, that's a big piece. And Paul George is starting to play more back-to-backs than I would have ever expected. So oh, yeah. that's a great thing. And then, like you said about the Warriors, I would agree. With, I think that's a team just like the Celtics, which the Celtics aren't as bad as the Warriors, obviously, record-wise. But I think both teams are just waiting for the playoffs. I, I think that's that's the way it is, which I'm not saying it's the best strategy because you obviously want to be playing your best basketball mid-April, just about right before you jump into the playoffs. But the Celtics, I think they know they can take any team in the NBA within seven games. So I think they're just, you know, probably losing to the Rockets is obviously not a great thing, but they're not going to be coming at each other in the locker room, you know. So that's at least a good thing. Yeah. You know, but... Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. Definitely. And how do you feel, Timmy, about the Celtics? You think they can make a run? Yep, definitely. I think this is the... Uh, I, I, mean, I thought... I, it was just kind of interesting, at the you know, with the coach thing and... Yeah, Udoko. He, he did not miss a beat, you know, the, the current guy. So, yeah, Missoula's uh, been great. I mean, a lot, of his, a lot of his late-game decisions have been one way or the other, whether they should call a timeout or they shouldn't. He's not always deciding, you know, the best way. But one thing that you can look at is the Celtics are winning games. So even if he's not making the best timeout call at the right time, the Celtics obviously probably should have beat the Rockets. I don't think that comes down to X's and O's. It probably comes down to Jason Tatum having a better game. I think Missoula stepping in in the position he did – He's doing great for what he's what he's been doing. So he's still learning at the same time. He's only I think, thirty two or thirty three years old. I think he he just connects with them. You know, he has personalities he has to deal with. I think he does a good job with that. Definitely. Yeah. For I sure. never thought I would say that it was time for Brad to move on, and I think it was a good time. Definitely. You know? And Brad, he's so. been great with the front office. It's one yeah. guy that's been excelling there in the front office. So that's obviously big. Um, but we'll see what happens in the East, though. I know you obviously have your talks about the West. I think the West is. The West, the Western Conference is very close. I was like five through twelve is separated by about two or three games. That's the one conference I think it's going to be tough to see who comes out of there. I think I would take the Clippers now because that's my team. But I, the East, it's going to come down to four teams. The West, it could come down to four or five depending on Honestly, what we'll, we'll what Denver Nuggets you get, what Sacramento Kings team you we'll get. My right my opinion about the Heat is that this is just history. I I we always used to say, Joe, you know this, beat the Heat, right? Beat the Heat, and yeah. I, not big LeBron fans. Yeah. I've never liked them. So, I just, that's just kind of, I mean, there's really not a lot of substance about that, but it's probably more history than anything. I would so. agree with you there. <laughs> I, I was going to say, too, uh, I kind of had a, even going into the offseason this year, I, I kind of had a take about the Heat. I don't know if it's a hot take or what, but I, I, I was saying that they should blow it up because I, like, they should move on from Lowry, they should move on from Butler, see what they can put around Bam and Hero and see if they can put something a longer term project together because I think you've seen what their ceiling is. Jimmy Butler and Lowry aren't getting any younger. You have something with Bam. I don't know what to make a Tyler Hero. So why pretend to compete and be phonies when you could, you know, just try and get some 
get some draft picks back, get some assets in in in, in the door, and then then go from there. Because I don't think that as they're constructed, they can win. I think the hope. Uh, was that after, I mean, last year the East was pretty weak. There was a lot of injuries going around. Outside of, like, yeah. outside of the Celtics, like, almost every team had a major player hurt, which allowed the Heat to make a deep run. And I think there was hope that, like, that would happen again, I guess. Whereas, I think the exact opposite has happened. I think the West looks really weak, and now the East, I think it's a top three or a top four. And But I 100% agree with you now, looking at it. Uh, I think this Heat team's going nowhere. Uh, Lowry's yeah. toast. I think we all agree. Oh, uh, yeah, he's degrees of rest, definitely. Butler is great, but... Agreed. Uh, I agree with I that. I love Jimmy. Yeah, yeah I'm a big I, Jimmy I fan. They probably do have to get move him just because this current team... Uh, Isn't going to win. Yeah. No, they don't have... A, like, the bench is good. Obviously, Hero's great. But, like... Yeah, outside, decent bench, outside yeah. of Bam, it's like, what starters do they have that are, like, even above average? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's hard. I think one thing they probably were hoping was kind of what happened last year when Lowry got hot towards the end of the season right. and then yeah. was was good in the playoffs. Yeah. They probably were hoping for that same thing. That's why they didn't trade him. But they were in talks with Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, OG Ananobi, uh, Kyrie Irving even. They didn't really get too involved in all those since they didn't want to part ways with Lowry or Hero. I would keep Harrow. Lowry, I would have parted ways. I don't even think they could have moved him if they wanted to. Lowry. Like. That could obviously that could have been a smoke screen too, though. Yeah. That yeah, I don't. Maybe they didn't want to even trade for those guys. They used that we don't want to trade Lowry as an excuse. That could be part of it I too. Think, I don't think any. I don't think maybe no one wanted was, Lowry. I don't think anyone was taking calls on Levine. I think the Bulls front office was out out to lunch then. But anyway, <laughs> they probably were out to lunch. Yeah, that team's going nowhere. The Bulls too, unfortunately. Yeah, um, yeah that's, that's a great stuff. point you. That's a great point you made too, though, about the Heat. How last year, like this, everything, the stars aligned perfectly for them yes. to, to to walk into the the conference finals, and it, definitely, it, it still they still came up short. You know, like. That everything that could have possibly went their way did, and that they still they still weren't good enough to get over the hump. So I mean, at that at that point, it, maybe maybe a conference finals appearance and one one game away from making it to the finals, hard to say. Okay, let's blow it up. But it's, yeah, it's also tough to you know it, 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 that's a tough way to look in the mirror and say and try to admit that, especially when you're that close. Yeah, I would agree with you there. That's the hard thing about the NBA in today's day, especially is it's hard to be with any sport, football even too. It's hard to be one foot in, one foot out. It's hard to be trying to. It's hard to try to rebuild and also while try to win. So I think the Heat's game plan probably was let's roll with the team we have at least for the deadline, and maybe see if we can turn things around. Then probably in the offseason, like you said, they could move on from guys like Jimmy Butler and Lowry. I don't think they want. I don't think they want to do a huge reconstruction midseason, since I mean even though Lowry's not really great anymore, it'd obviously be a different offense without him, and you'd obviously have to get a point guard to yeah, at least probably, try to make yeah. a run in the playoffs. I mean, playoffs. I mean yeah. Gabe Vincent's not really going to be. He's not really starting point guard material. No, in the he's great period. off the bench. So you, you so he's kinda, a good shooter off the bench. But yeah, you yeah. don't want him starting. Um, and that's that's another thing in today's NBA as well is you need a good a good bench and that team doesn't really they have a good bench, but you can't really rely on guys coming off the bench to give you the points that Lowry used to have. You know, so Lowry yeah. used to give you twenty five a game, twenty three a game. Not every night, but he could he could go off for twenty five in a blink. But he's not really that player yeah. anymore. He's regressed. Some other point guards in the league that are regressing at the same time. Chris Paul's not scoring like he used to. I think he's averaging still fourteen a game, but he can't shoot anymore. Um, That's actually a team we didn't even bring up. Phoenix, the yeah, the Phoenix Suns, yeah. Sacramento <laughs> Kings. What do you think of those teams, uh, Matt? The Kings have been like the most pleasant surprise, I think. Like they're just they're they're very fun to watch. I think that Fox and Sabonis is that's an incredible combination. You've got some really really strong role players on that team. Like you know you got Malik Monk, 
they they went out and traded for for Kevin Herter, Davion, Mike Keegan Mitchell, Murray. Yep. Yeah, Keegan Murray, Mitchell's yep. Keep, they, they, they've got they've got a, they've got a, they have something there for probably the first time in, in a long time. It, it's it's exciting to see. I I really hope they don't screw it up. But you know they, that 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 franchise has a terrible track record. But I don't know if this year they're going to make noise in the playoffs. But I mean I think that this could be the start of the, like the Kings actually being a team to to take seriously. I agree with you. There. I think they can win a series. Maybe depending on what the matchup is. Um, I do think they're still probably a year away from trying to win the NBA Finals. But to be a second seed. And be rebuilding and with no expectations coming into the year, being where you're at, it's just obviously huge. Um, it's kind of like the Giants. I mean, the, the Giants obviously did worth the second overall team in the in the NFC. But to make the playoffs when you don't really have the expectations going in is huge. It shows a lot of progress. It shows a step in the right direction. So that's at least one big thing yeah. for the Kings. And they made a right decision. You make a big trade, you trade a guy like Ty- Tyrese Halliburton. Not always does it work out for both teams. It worked out at least for Indiana since they wanted to move on from Sabonis. They got an all-star point guard in Tyrese Halliburton, and then obviously the Kings finally got a forward since they wanted to just draft guards every year in the NBA draft. I could go on and on. De'Aaron Fox, Davion Mitchell, Tyrese Halliburton. They only wanted to draft guards. They finally realized we have to get a forward to match with De'Aaron Fox. Obviously, another guy we didn't mention, Harrison Bonds. Very good guy. Yeah. He wasn't yeah. wasn't the main piece. They needed more of a pick-and-roll guy, and Harrison Bonds really isn't that. He's more of a shooter. So... That's why Sabonis works great in that system. I'm excited to see. Yeah, he's such a good passer too. I mean, he can they can run the offense through him if Fox is off the floor. He he can initiate the sets, and he's 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 just a very skilled player. He's I think it's the perfect fit. 100. percent I would agree with you there. Uh, Any other takes you guys have in the NBA? I I was curious what your guys' thoughts were on the Grizzlies. What's going on with John Morant? Uh, I mean, here's the thing about John. You always want your star players to be in the game, whether it's injuries, things off the court. You always root for them to be. Obviously on the court, healthy, playing. But with those off-court issues, it seems like he always needs to get things figured out, get things situated. I'm rooting for him to do that. Even though you look at how young he is and, and obviously has so much money to his name, he has the keys to the franchise, it does come with a lot of pressure. And obviously, I think he's probably succumbed to that. And obviously, he was under a lot of uh, probably pressure being the star player. And obviously, having all that money and all that fame... It obviously must have been tough for him to deal with. So hopefully he gets those things figured out. I heard he's going to get some help, obviously. Yeah. I think it's in Florida. But you root for star players to be on the court always. Injuries, obviously a big part of the game. When it comes to off-court issues like that, that's life. That's not even just obviously being uh, uh, an NBA player being hurt. That's obviously what he has going on. That's that's a lot to do with his life and, and a lot more at stake than just a game of basketball. So I'm rooting for him to figure things out. I will say that even with him not playing, uh, they are still the three seed. Still and three, yeah. I, yeah really see them falling off very quickly to the rest of the no. West. Because so. they're still like three or four games up from that four, right? right. Probably I mean, or, I mean, or a couple games at least. Actually, no. Yeah, and last right year, two last year they were 20 and five without John Morant. Right. Which I thought was interesting. Like, and, and this year they're five, they're five and seven without him. Three and two since the suspension. I mean, Tyus Jones slots right in, and it's not too big of a drop off. Taylor Jenkins is a great coach, and they've got a really good system in place. Yeah, that, that's yeah. the thing. It's like Jones is nuts. That's the thing. It's like, I think the Grizzlies are just a great team, and I mean, we just saw Agreed. them. Jaron Jackson, defensive they, player of the year, too. Yeah, Jaren, he's going to run away with it. It's not even close at this point. And they just flattened the Warriors a couple nights yeah. ago, like yeah. embarrassed yeah. them. Yeah, and they just they crushed the Mavericks. I think they won by like twenty six or something like that. Uh, yeah. Yes, on Monday. So it's like, of course they want Ja. I mean, he he is their best player. Yeah, you know, but it's a weak West. Yeah, I, that's why I think anyone could really come out. Honestly, I mean, they're going to be playing but... what the Timberwolves or they're going to be playing Lakers, some... maybe. Right. So they're going to be playing one of those playing teams. Like they're going to oh, be over them. Yeah, two versus seven would be right now. Maybe so it could be the Lakers yeah. they want to win a play in. Uh, we'll see though. I mean. 
I, I, I root for John obviously to get things figured out off the court. Um, and hopefully he does that, and obviously he's back for the playoffs. But like I said, it's it's more than just injuries. Like I think obviously when you see a player get hurt, see a player off the court, there's a lot of variables that a player could be off the court for. But what he has going on, obviously, is more than just the game of basketball. It's life, so... Hopefully he gets that figured out. You want to talk MVP a little bit? Yeah, let's talk MVP talk. Who do you guys got winning MVP? Obviously, Jason Tatum's up there. He's in talks. Obviously, you got a ton of players in the NBA. They're in the Jokic could obviously repeat. Um, who else? Who's the third favorite right now? I think it was those two. Luca. Luca's in there. Embiid, Giannis, Luca. They're all in there. Um, who? What's your take right now for MVP? You guys both. I'll, I'll start with Timmy. You got Tatum MVP. I get Tatum. I mean, I'm just such a. I mean, I'm a homie, right? So yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you there. I'm my guys, too. Terrible. But, I mean, I'm sure this Timmy, my son Tim, is saying who? Jokic. 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 <laughs> yeah, it'd be three in a row for Jokic when it be, right? It'd be three it in a row from? Three in a row, which is the first time that would happen since... Will Chamberlain, right? Uh, was it Wilt? I think Jordan did it. Jordan might have. I, Jordan okay. or... I don't know. I, I just think the Celtics are just... Uh, it's, this is... I mean, they're a great position, so I don't know. Maybe... Maybe there's no advantage to the Tatum being on that team, but I think it might help his case, that's, honestly. That's my take on that. Because the Celtics have gotten better and better every single year, and Tatum's even gotten better and better every year. So it's it's not just like he's had a great team around him. They've been getting better while he's getting better. He's making his team around him better for the most part. That's a sign of a of an MVP or, or a star player, a player that can make his team better around him. Uh, that 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 goes for every sport, whether you're a quarterback, you're a pitcher. I mean, you make your team around you better. Baseball is obviously not as much of a team game, but you can contribute to wins being a team player, you know, whatever you're doing. And Tatum's great at scoring, and he's been helping the Celtics with that. So what do you got, Matt, for MVP? I mean, I, I, maybe the games played will have to factor into it a little bit, but, I mean, I, I just think I just think, I think it should be Giannis. I'd go Giannis, too. He's, aver- he's averaging 32, 12, and 6 on, like, 55% shooting with a block and a steal a game. I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. I mean, I know... And, I feel like nowadays everybody wants to see you average an, as a triple-double or as close to a tri- triple-double as you can to win the MVP award, but those numbers are just absurd. Yeah, I would agree and, with you there. And the Bucks, I think the Bucks are clearly the best team, so the best player, the most important player on the best team, That I mean, that, that I think that should be who the MVP is. I would agree with you. I think Embiid's making a case. He, also, he could even have won the last couple of years Embiid was at least in the conversation. Games played came into, obviously, the situation was that Jokic, I think Jokic last year, uh, games played was the situation where Embiid, but two years ago, I mean, no one was even closer to Jokic with his yeah. triple double stats as a center, which is impossible to do. Yeah. Having a center, it is. A, like and don't him. get me wrong, the triple double is absurd, but it's just I feel like it's a it, maybe I'm just getting voter fatigue in that respect. No, I, I think Giannis is right. That Giannis would be my pick actually. So you got Tatum, you got Giannis, you got Jokic, obviously from Timmy, you got Giannis for me. Who do you got for MVP? Uh, I mean, to me, it's like nearly a three way tie between Embiid, Giannis, and Jokic. Uh, Personally, I would lean Giannis for many of the same reasons that he was saying. I think it's weird because if you went around and you asked people, like, who's the best player, who's the best basketball player in the world right now, I feel like most people would probably say Giannis. But it's rare that the best player in the world is also the guy who wins the MVP. Yeah, you're right. That's so true. LeBron, it was like a decade-long stretch, or maybe longer, where it's like... 50, 12 to 15 years right. the best player in the Where he was obviously the best player, but, you know, this guy has a, a big season. You give him the MVP, whatever. I think this is a place where the stats and his team performance and the fact that we all know that he's the best player kind of line up. Like, Definitely. It feels like a no-brainer to me. Um, or maybe just give it to Embiid so that people shut up about it and <laughs> like about the fact that he's been snubbed, whatever. Yeah. But 
I, I wouldn't be no. opposed to that either. That would be <laughs> awesome because that's all that's all you hear about. <laughs> Embiid, yeah, yeah. Embiid is—he was in the conversation the last couple of years. He's in it yeah. again, so and he'll probably get his one. And, 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 and if he wanted, it would be completely justified. Yeah, but yeah, like it's not like he's running away with it by any means. No, I think Tatum's right there too. Very true. Luke has fallen off just slightly. I think Kyrie hasn't helped He's that really. Sliding. I don't think Kyrie's helped him there, but he was in the conversation yeah. a week or two ago. Was still in there, but uh, I don't think Kyrie's missed a lot of games. There. He's missed yeah, a lot of games real. this year too. Missed games, then him and Kyrie just haven't really gelled. But they're both pretty similar, at least the way they play. They both want the ball, and uh, especially in a ball dominant offense where Luca had the ball his whole career in Dallas. Now you add a guy to that system that wants the ball just yeah. as much. It's it's obviously tough. Um, but we'll see what happens there. Obviously, I, I like all of you guys' picks. Though. I think the nice thing about our picks, they're all balanced, but we can all see eye-to-eye. Yeah, with yeah. It could be really any of those guys, um, especially in the NBA now. I mean, guys could heat up towards the end of the year and end up winning it. Um, that's what happened with Marcus Smart last year. Right at this point about last year, Marcus Smart went on a run, you know, averaging, I think, two and a half steals. And two and a half steals plus blocks a game, getting about three turnovers, you know, forced a game, ends up, you know, winning the defensive player of the year because of it. So you can heat up in that in that last few weeks, and that can make a big difference. So we'll see what player makes a run towards the end. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, we can close out with one thing. You guys want to talk either baseball, or football? What would you guys choose in the last segment? I'll let that. I'll let you guys choose. I, just, I just want to. I just want to listen to Joey talk about the Giants. Okay. All right. So you talk NFL. <laughs> just, but we can talk NFL. Been, we don't have an hour. It's been. Yeah, we don't get an hour. I mean, <laughs> yes. I'm limited to five minutes. Time. If you guys want, you know, I'll make it three minutes. Even better. I'll make it. I'll make it speed. Let's talk about that. Let me just say one thing. Absolutely. Jimmy G going to Las Vegas. So let's talk NFL in general. I'm with that. Let's do it. No, How do you feel about that, Timmy? I mean, I, I was a Jimmy G fan. I'm like, You're a big I, Jimmy I, G guy. I remember. I like yeah, Jimmy G myself. I've always, I've always been sad since he left. So yeah. I always thought there was a possibility we could get, get him back. But not going to happen, I guess. It's, you know. I think he's going to flourish in, in Vegas. You add, really well. you add Jacoby Myers, another two wide out. Arguably, yeah, exactly. Josh McDaniels. You got one of the best running backs in the NFL. You got Devontae Adams, the best wide receiver yeah. in the NFL, in my eyes. And you obviously have a a, a good offensive system with McDaniels. And I we'll, think Josh McDaniels is we'll so smart in making that choice, but that's just my opinion. But anyway, let's talk about the Giants. McDaniels is great, though. I'm with you there. Um, the Giants made a move today, trading a third round pick, the hundredth overall pick in the NFL draft in this coming draft, so 2023. For Darren Waller, a tight end from Vegas. So speaking of the Raiders, Jimmy G's losing out one of his weapons, uh, going to the Giants for the 100th pick. He's getting, I think, around $17 million a year over the next three years. But yeah. the Giants have a lot of cap space, which you pointed out today. They have a lot of cap space going into they 2024 any, they and on. any cap space this year. Going into next year, they have a bunch. Of so they could probably make him a $23 million, $23 yes. million next, next two well, years I don't, and make his I, so that does, cap hit $5 million this year. Trades in the NFL make no sense cap-wise. I can't explain it if, even if I wanted to. Well, Choose certain amount. I think the Raiders have to take on at least some yes. of the guaranteed money. I think the bonus money, the guaranteed money. So if you Bruce. sign a guy and he's signing bonus of twenty million, that's that's on the Raiders to pay. I'm pretty right. sure. Then the salaries with the Giants would pay. So that's because because of how that works. Even though we have almost no cap space right now, that we can go through the trade and then we don't feel that seventeen million until next year. Yes. So, which is when we have that's space. that's the exact reason why when the Giants traded Odell to the Browns, that Odell's cap hit was only like five million for exactly. De- which the Giants also chewed money. That was part of it. But with the set, the, the guaranteed money, the Giants I think had to pay just about all of that. So Odell's cap hit in Cleveland his first year I think was five million, and the Giants are paying I think sixteen I mean, million, 15, 14, 15 million. So just paying him to not be on the team. So we'll see what happens. I love I love that move by the Giants. They picked up a linebacker from Cle- uh, from Chicago, uh, Bobby Okereke. 
I think it was seventh in uh, NFL. Colts. In Colts, Colts, Colts. It was Colts. The Bears did make a lot of moves though. Yes. Uh, linebacker wise, why I said them. Uh, but they got a linebacker from the Colts. This is the best tackle on the team, even though they had Leonard. Um, he was the best tackle on the team. I think he was seventh in the NFL in total tackles. And that's one thing the Giants struggled with was was missed tackles in the middle of the field. And linebackers generally. Linebackers in general. They don't have a guy that can cover. Yeah, I don't think this guy's even – this guy's really not great in coverage. But, yeah, we haven't had a good linebacker in years. Yeah. We haven't had a great linebacker. Not, we've had good ones that are good for what they are. Like, Tay Crowder's a seventh-round pick. He was good at being a seventh-round pick linebacker. David Mayo, picking him up on a one-year minimum deal. He was good at what he had. Blake Martinez was a $10 million a year. He was good when he was on the field. We haven't really had a great tackling linebacker since Blake Martinez was always hurt. Maybe this guy would be the guy. But I'm excited to see what the Giants do. Obviously, they got Daniel Jones on a new deal, four years, $160 million. Saquon Barkley on the franchise tag. Uh, how do you feel about Daniel Jones Saquon's deals? Like, that, that, he's a big Giants guy like me, so hearing his opinion would be big. I mean, I think we, we were all uh... – when we heard initially that like Jones wanted for forty million, we were all a little upset. But seeing that Garoppolo, <laughs> seeing all these guys get almost forty million, makes me feel better about it. Uh, especially after that car deal. Which yeah, Derek Carr thirty five and a half, thirty seven and a half. Was yeah. It? So it's like hard to argue with that number. The guaranteed money isn't terrible, um, and I don't really. Yeah, I don't think they had a choice. Like. You yeah. can't. We can't let a quarterback walk. Was we're no in position to draft QB. We're no in position to sign a different QB. He played well. Get it done. That's what they yeah. did. Yeah, I would agree with you there. And then with Saquon, um, you hope he get the deal done. Um, we'll see. We yeah. have a ton of money going to the next few years. Yeah. So it's not ridiculous to imagine us getting a deal done. Yeah. I think it mostly just comes down to. How much do we have to guarantee? Guaranteed money is what it's coming down to, 100%. Just like Lamar's deal. Guaranteed money, it's and, really what And then the other to. thing is uh, we have Dex coming up for a contract next year. Dex Lawrence, yeah. The question is, will we be able to get him on an extension this year? Because that could really make things easier for us. To save money, yeah. yes. And maybe we could restructure Leonard Williams or Dory right. Jackson. Well, and that's the other extend thing. them. Leonard Williams, I think, getting paid like $30 million this $32 year. Million. I think he's the highest cap hit among any player in the NFL in defense this year. Right. So, which is nuts. Which is going to get restructured. Though, I think they might extend it maybe, which I don't know if you really want to push it too far back, but maybe you extend him like a two-year deal, $30 million, and then ex- break it up whatever way you yeah. got to. I don't know. He didn't really have as good of a year last year, but I think it's because Dexter Lawrence had such a good year in that middle of the interior defensive line. So that was obviously tough. But yes. one thing with DJ, which I want to get Matt's opinion on it. I'll get Timmy's as well. One thing with DJ, a lot of people coming at that money that he got, the $40 million a year, and how does Daniel Jones get $40 million a year? Well, that's just the way the NFL is trending now. Like, if you look at it, he's now the tied for eighth highest in average annual value in the NFL among quarterbacks. And that's without Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, and I'm missing one other one. Uh, Hurts, Bar- Trevor, Trevor Lawrence. Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. All those guys, which Trevor Lawrence might be a year and a half away from getting paid, but the other guys are going to get paid, which we might have lost him. But all those other guys are going to get paid within the next year. Burrow's probably going to get paid, maybe even this offseason, who knows, maybe one more year from now. But... By those five contracts, all five of those guys are going to make over $40 million a year average annual value. So Daniel Jones is going to be around 12th to 13th highest paid quarterback in the NFL by that point. So I don't know how you feel about it, Matt, but I know you have been, you've been riding with Daniel Jones, especially because I've been a big fan. I know you, you started picking up on him, and you liked him even before that, but I know you root for him for my sake and my dad's sake. So what do you think of that deal? What do you think of the Giants this past year? And how do you feel about their future, especially with DJ and Saquon, back for at least one more year? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I, I completely understand your, your argument there, too, and that, that's definitely true, where the first year, or I guess maybe we'll be conservative and say the first two years, whenever you hand out a big quarterback contract, 
it's always going to suck because it's at market. It's it's a huge cap. It's a huge percentage of your cap, and there's just nothing you can do about it. But then once because the, the cap keeps going up every year with the, the, the with the TV deals and the contracts keep going up, so eventually we kind of saw it a few years ago with 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 um, Russell Wilson on the Seahawks, and then Andrew Luck when his contract first had first yep. hit in. With, it, they they were they were getting paid so much money compared to the cap, and then eventually their contracts were, oh, wow, it was actually smart that they paid them all that money and had them guaranteed for four or five years because then it's below market and you have a lot more cap space going forward. So 100%. I think maybe the, the first year it'll be tougher to stay and remain competitive, but I, I don't know. I like the Giants. I like Dable a lot. I think that, like you had said, you guys have made some really, really good moves, and I think getting Waller in the door is going to help help Jones have an actual target to throw the ball to. In the red zone, too, which is huge, because we had to run the ball in the red zone consistently since we didn't really have that big target, except Isaiah Hodges we got towards the end of the year. But we didn't have that big red zone target. It forced us to run the ball on first and second down a lot of the time rather than try to throw at least maybe on second and mix it up, mix up looks. Now you have that red zone target that can obviously reach up. He's a big vertical. He's 6'6". DJ really hasn't had too many big receivers. I know Kenny Galladay was supposed to be that guy at 6'5". A 6'4 was not that guy. Now DJ actually has a red zone target that hopefully can return to his form for 2020. He was hurt in 2022, only played nine games. He had nine touchdowns in 2020. He was a pro bowler actually that year as well. If he can get back to the pro bowl way and maybe play, which he might get hurt. He's been hurt the last couple of years. He missed a few games the last few years. If he could play at least like 13 of the 17 games, I, I, I love the deal. Even if you don't, even if you just have him in the playoffs, I love it. But DJ does need some help in the red zone. I think that'll help. Yeah. Uh, semi-breaking news is that James Bradbury just re-signed with the Eagles for three years, $38 million, which seems like a, a real steal to me. Yeah, I don't know how you get him which for really $13 million a year. Yeah. <laughs> for us. That's a, 20, that's a $20, million, $20 million guaranteed, right? I that think was a good so. Contract. I didn't get the exact number. Probably yeah. somewhere around that. Imagine yeah. like twenty twenty five, probably roughly. But um, yeah. that's a st- that's a still just about under thirteen million average annual value, which is unreal. I don't know how that happened, but especially, sorry, especially with all the departures that they've just had too. The Eagles have, they've lost so many key players. That's that's a, that was a good good contract to get executed. Definitely, yeah. Javon Hargrove left, and then uh, you lost T.J. Edwards too. They lost as well the linebacker. Yeah. So two big losses. Hargrove got a big payday, and then obviously Edwards actually got paid as well. So. That's two losses there, but I think Bradbury coming back on a 13 million a year is interesting. Kelsey coming back, Jason Kelsey, the center coming back from one year 13 million. It seems like they're all taking Graham, hometown value Graham discounts. Also. But a discounts. lot of, I mean, it's... yes, yes, Brandon Graham as well, discounts. Oh, but yeah, true. Graham's, yeah. Graham's not as good as he once was. I think you could still get him in a younger deal, I mean, um, yeah. a smaller deal. But... You can understand it completely. It's like, especially Kelsey and Graham, it's like they've been there basically their whole, whole career. Yeah, it's whole like, career for Kelsey. Yeah. And they're both like over 30. It's 30, it 32. Make, it makes yeah. sense that they would hang around. Bradbury, I thought. This is a guy coming off of like a career rejuvenating season. He'll go get his bag somewhere else, uh, but unfortunately not for us. Yeah, I wish he came back to the Giants. There was yeah. talks that they could reunite, but it was it was very light. It wasn't really anything crazy. But yeah. uh, I'll add Timmy back to the call. But it wasn't anything uh-huh. crazy. It was really just light that the Giants could potentially. They also resigned to Boston Scott. But oh, dude, so, Boston Scott resigned. No, you can, uh, you can put us in for two losses. Next Twelve week. touchdowns <laughs> in his career. He's like fourteen touchdowns in his career. Ten of them coming against the Giants. Something nuts. There he is, Timmy, back on the call. Sorry. No worries at all. No worries. You didn't miss too much. Just talking Giants. We've also got some Pats news. Patriots talk. Here you go. Yeah, Jabril Peppers. Peppers, Two-year deal, was it? I think so. Two-year deal? Yeah, let's talk Patriots. Two-year deal. uh, Timmy, you were right about, I think you said, probably around October, November, the Patriots had to go get Bill O'Brien. They end up going to get him. Huge. You called that in October that they need to go get (laughs) UOC. Uh, Giants fans could have told you Joe Judge wouldn't have worked out, but... 
No one would have said and guessed right that Bill O'Brien would be there, especially you called it four or five I minutes think, before. I think O'Brien and Belichick have a good, decent relationship. So, plus, I, you know, I mean, Bill Belichick's background is defensive. So he, you know, all the whole time Josh was there, he kind of deferred to him, you know? Definitely. That, that's yeah, part of the game, too, especially in today's day in the NFL. It's going to be the same with Bill O'Brien. And, of course, Bill Belichick loves Alabama. Yeah. So, you know, any, any, <laughs> you get second them on that. Anybody who can get from Alabama. It seems know, like, like it's apparently, exactly. like Mac Jones, but well. Mac Jones is well, one, and then we'll uh, see how he does Christian Baumore, another one. Oh, Damien yeah. Harris, another Patriot that's a, that's a Bama guy. It seems like the cycle with Patriots coaches is that they do well enough to get a coaching job somewhere else, they fail. <laughs> They go to Alabama for rehab, and then finally they're back at the Patriots. I think so, you're right. I think you're Josh right. McDaniels will go to Alabama, I don't know, next year, and then finally he'll complete the cycle. Be back at the Patriots. I, no. I think Josh is hoping he makes a run for it with Jimmy Garoppolo, but we'll see. I think I think he can. I, I want to get your take on that, uh, both of you guys. Timmy, we'll start with you, though. Jimmy G obviously got hurt with the Niners. I think his biggest thing is staying healthy, but how do you think he does with the Raiders? you think he does well? I think he's going to do well. I would agree with you. Because I think he and Josh had a good relationship when they're when they're at the Pats. Yeah, the Pats. and you noted that earlier, yeah, which is a great point. You're right; the chemistry's there. And and I know, you know Matt too. I know you're a big Patriots guy. I don't know how you feel about Jimmy G? But I think he's obviously a winning quarterback. He wins big games, even though obviously he doesn't really stay healthy. That's a, that's a big issue with Jimmy G. But he does win games. He does have a great record as a starter in the NFL. How do you feel about him being on the Raiders? Yeah, I mean, I think it makes it makes sense because Timmy McDaniel's already. Like, like Tim said, they already have the existing relationship. They know each other. They know Josh knows his tendencies, and they can scheme up a similar similar system. But I feel like with a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, like he kind of needs the exact right situation and team where he doesn't have to do too much. You have a really good defense you can lean on for when he has those games where he's not an effective passer. And, I mean, when he had a lot of his playoff success with the 49ers, it was because of the run game and the defense, not and not necessarily him. I mean, yeah. in that... NFC Championship game, he threw, he threw six passes against the Packers. That's I mean, a great point. Yeah. It's a great point. I didn't think of it that way, but he does play very conservative, too, most of the time, which helps. Yeah, and um, so he's not going to go out and lose you a game, but I don't think he's the quarterback that's going to go out there and, and, and make you a game-winning play. He's going to do just enough to keep you in the game and not blow a lead. or you know. Yeah. So I, think it, I think it could work because the Raiders have a good team around him. They've got a lot of weapons. and yep. I think if they can keep improving the defense, then, then maybe they can make some noise. Definitely. How do you feel about Jimmy G being on uh, Las Vegas? I just don't have a very strong belief in this Raiders team in general. So, like, to they, me, yeah, they broke last year. Yeah, just to me, like the, the idea of signing Jim, like like you said, I think Jimmy G is the type of quarterback who can make enough plays to keep you in a game, but he's not going to win the game for you. And that's why he's a good record. He's had a good team right. around him for the most part. He's had a good team around him always. He's played, you know, he's played for the Patriots and then went to play for this. So it's just crazy talented 49ers team. Two good organizations, too. It's not like right. he went to Cleveland. Yeah, exactly. Or a team that was on the like, downfield yeah, Complete teams, great great special teams, great defense. Exactly. And I think it's like he went to Jacksonville at their and, lowest and, point. I mean, I, this Raiders team were a mess. And as far as I'm concerned, they're still a mess until they prove they're not. So to me, it doesn't really matter if it's Jimmy G or Carr or whoever else at quarterback. Definitely. That's I, just me, though. I think yeah. the Raiders are a product of, which this is huge in the NFL, huge in all of sports, that is, is missing on draft picks. If you have a top pick in the draft first round, you have to hit on them, and they consistently missed on guys. Oh, yeah. I can name you yeah. 10 right now. Alex Leatherwood, Damon Arnett, Henry Ruggs. 
they took Colton Miller, Cleland Farrell. Colton Miller's probably one of the better ones, but uh, Cleland Farrell, that's five guys right there that are first-round picks in the top 20, and not one of those guys panned out really. I think Miller's probably the better one. I think they had him, what, three yeah. or four years. But Cleland Farrell's a fine player, but definitely not a he's not a top overall pick. No, he's probably not even yeah. late first, if that, maybe second, because he's really a run-stopper. He was in, in college, he, was, he got some sacks, maybe just because that D-line, they were focused on Dexter Lawrence and, uh, and Christian Wilkins. Isn't that where the Super Bowl is uh, in next year? I think, it, it, is it I, think you might, I think you might be right. Let me see. Super Bowl. Vegas. Yeah. Let me see. Let's so. see. Super Bowl 2023. No, that's, that was this year. Hold on. Aaron. <laughs> Hold on one second here. Don't worry. We got it here. Super Bowl 2024. Vegas. You drilled it. First oh, Super Bowl man. there. Wow. Look yeah. at you. Maybe we'll see the Patriots play there, right? You never know. That'd be nice. Huh? You never know. Right, you guys a, might have to go. A, you guys might have to go to if that's play, case. Huh? Uh, let's talk Patriots off for one minute. I know we talked to them very lightly, but obviously going into this year, there's now new expectations for the team that last year they were coming in, being a playoff team going into this season. Mac Jones is a Pro Bowl last year, and now expectations have reset going into this year. It seems like Patriots fans, for the most part, really aren't too high in the team. I think more of it has to do with the Patriots division getting better around them. I think that's a big, big worry for the Patriots is the Dolphins got better. They just got Jalen Ramsey. Yes, the Bills are the Bills. I think the Jets obviously have gotten better. They could get Aaron Rodgers. I don't think the Patriots roster is bad. I just think the team around the teams around them are just getting better and better while the Patriots have been, for the most part, right around the same. I think that's where I think Mac Jones will be better this year. I would roll with Mac. I want your opinions, though, on Zappy, Mac, and then obviously the rest of the team. We'll start with start with you, Matt. Mac, Zappy, who do you feel uh, the Patriots should roll with? Since I feel like a lot of Patriots fans each way. I mean, I, I think it's obviously it's still Mac's job to lose. I mean, Zappy Zap, was, was fun. It was exciting. Like, and then eventually against that game against the Bears and all, came crashing back down to earth and it's like oh yeah that's why he's a fourth round pick yeah. you know i mean i think there's potential in both quarterbacks so it's nice that for mac that he that he has the competition you know breathing down his neck saying okay i i, I this isn't just going to be handed to me i actually have to perform because they're just happy showing you put some uh put put some good possessions together but i think the key thing with the patriots is i mean so far this offseason like They've made some good moves. They were able to, to to get Johnny Smith out of here. I know it wasn't great compensation return, but just getting that money off the books that Huge. was helpful because yeah. that was a big contract. Uh, bringing back Miles Bryant isn't like you know it's not it's not like a sexy headline. And same thing with Jonathan Jones. Jonathan Jones but good, it's good, good to get those good the, good to get those guys and Jabril Peppers back in the door. But I mean, I I feel like losing Jacoby Myers is going to be a huge blow and. There's not a great free agent market out here either to, to bolster up the skill position players. So we're going to have to be leaning on some injury injury prone veterans that struggled to be any bit of consistent last year with a quarterback who is going through an identity crisis. So and yeah. in a division that had just bolstered up that had just bolstered up so significantly. I mean, the, the Miami Dolphins are going all in, and the, the Jets they they could they could be adding Aaron Rodgers. They, I know they just signed Alan Lazard today, that, and they're getting Brees Hall back next year who yeah. when they had him that was an incredibly efficient and strong offense and their defense is yep. sensational and obviously you know the bills are going to be relevant so long as josh allen is healthy so it's hard to really feel too optimistic going in as the patriots and the unfortunate thing is i think belichick's too good of a coach where we can get into a position where we'll get a really good draft pick we're probably going to win six or seven six or seven games which puts us in the middle of the pack it's kind of like NFL purgatory you know i yeah. feel like they kind of just need to to get to a point where they really just stink we can get some some proven draft talent through the door and then hopefully we can start to put something together from there but i think they're kind of just going to be stuck in that really frustrating that really frustrating zone like the giants have been for the last couple of yeah. years one foot in one foot out that's and how the giants I do always want to ask with jacoby myers leaving who is their number one wide receiver 
Devontae Parker, I would say. Probably. I'd probably go Parker, too. That's, Kendrick Bourne, I guess, is now the two, right? That's he's a pretty tough Probably position. the three before, now he's the two. Maybe you go get a guy like Odell Beckham, Odell Beckham Jr. Maybe you go get him. I know Belichick's wanted him in years past. You could trade for a guy like Amari Cooper. I know Cleveland could potentially move him. There's some guys in the market you go get, but like you said, the free agent market is not really – this isn't the time not to go get a receiver. Yeah. I mean, Ju- like Juju Smith-Schuster, Miko Hardman, Adam Thielen, like – Julio Jones. Think, yeah. I mean, I didn't. I didn't think about I mean, Julio, Julio Jones would be like a good like for like replacement because he's also allergic to the end zone, just like Jacoby Myers yeah. is. Julio, yeah, you're right. You're right. Adam Thielen would be a good signing. I mean, Julio. Julio's washed. Yeah, up, that's the that's the problem. Is he? He's 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 passed it. He couldn't. He, and it's not his fault. And I, it's yeah. Thielen's also pretty old too, and I don't think Juju would be. He's not a number one. There's just nothing out there. And that, that's the position the Patriots, like, desperately need, I feel yeah. like. They need, like, a skilled position guy who can make a play. Definitely. I would agree with you. I'm, I'm excited to see what the Patriots do in the draft. First time the Patriots really had a high draft pick, 14, I think they have this year, right? This is the first time they really had a high pick. I know a lot of people just expect the Belichick trade down, but there's going to be a lot of good players probably around that 14 range. I know there's usually five to six, seven blue-collar guys in that top seven draft picks. Whether or not you need a quarterback, that's a big part of it. There's going to be guys that fall. If there's more quarterbacks taken in the top five to ten, that means there's more players falling to you at 14. That's why the Giants were in a good position yeah. last year because you have guys that are getting picked in the top where uh, two years ago it was. The Giants didn't need a quarterback. There were quarterbacks taken in the top, obviously, five to ten a couple years ago with Mac Jones, Trey Lance, all those guys being picked heavy and high. The Giants had a chance at 11 to take a guy they wanted. They said, no, we'll trade down to 20, still get a good player. Because a lot of guys taken in the top 5 to 10 of quarterbacks, it might help you guys. So I think the Patriots might actually have a good chance of getting a really good player at 14. You're going to get a good player no matter what. But you can get one of those blue-collar guys that fall just because teams are going for position or they're going for you know a quarterback, which quarterback is the most important part of football. And that's why you see teams trading three first-round picks or two first-round picks to get a QB. But how do you feel, yeah. Timmy, about no, the Patriots? That's- my fault, Matt. You you finish what you're saying. I apologize. No, sorry. Yeah. One, one last thing, and I'll turn it over to. No, no worries at all. No, you good. You, uh, but the one thing that's kind of interesting too is, I mean, the Patriots haven't had this type of draft pick in a very, very long time. And yeah. you know, usually when the Patriots do have like a, a top pick and this high in the draft, they it's been home runs. I mean, most recently, I can cite Dante Hightower and Chandler Jones. I mean, I, I think we can all agree that those were absolute slam dunks of, of, or of top twenty, top twenty, high twenty picks. So it'll. I think I that Belichick is, you know, and, and lately he's drafted basically pick thirty through thirty-two, which is I, I would just call it a second-round pick. So it's hard to. Usually those picks are hard to knock out of the park. So, but it's not really an excuse because he's had some absolute duds like Sony Michelle and, and Nikhil Harry with those with those slots. So it makes sense yeah. why he trades out when he has those picks. But I'm hoping this year that we can we can hopefully find some some good linebacker talent in the draft. Definitely, and I, I think I was, you know, like you said, this is the first time you've really picked high with expectations of, okay, now we can kind of go get a best player build. I think a few years ago when you had that 20 or 15th pick, you got Mac Jones. That was the COVID year, too. It's kind of a blur. You were going for position. You are going for quarterback in need. Now you can kind of go for best yeah. player available, and that's that's the way the Giants were for the last few years is best player available. For the most part, you would take best player available besides, I guess, Andrew Thomas. Thomas a lot of those times it was, I guess, targeting a position of need, which – it's hard to have both of them, whether you need a position of uh, of need or you have the best player available. But I think the Patriots are going to go BPA, as they call it, and I think they're going to get a great player at 14. If that's, and that's if they were to stay. But how do you feel, Timmy, about the Patriots and their direction? Well, I mean, I think, it, as I mentioned a few moments ago, Billy O'Brien, I think that was good. I mean, the Patricia Judge thing was a disaster. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's a, I can I, tell you. I, 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 have to be honest, feels, I yeah. can't believe they won so many games with 
that disastrous offensive, you know, play call. Um, so, but I guess the other thing I just want to point out is, okay, Belichick got rid of Joe Judge and Patricia, okay? Mac Jones, you have a really strong guy in Billy O'Brien. You better listen to him, okay? Yep. Yeah. Think right. it's yours to lose, okay? I, I agree with Matt. Zappy was fun. I was hoping Zappy would be like another Tom Brady coming in after Drew Bledsoe. That goes way <laughs> much back, but that didn't quite happen that way. Yeah. Um, so he's got to step up. You know, you got to get your head in the game here. Okay. Definitely. okay this, this is the third year. So, um, but the other thing I, I completely agree with this division. I mean, do you guys know how spoiled we have been? Yeah. Not just for Tom Brady, but the division has been terrible. Yeah. Now past. it's unreal. I mean, for, I don't know. I'm going to go on, you know. I mean, we just walk, we would walk into the playoffs. I mean, you know, okay, yep. This is, you know, you know, the straight, seventh straight time we've been, I mean, this is, so this has been tough. Um, Definitely. But Miami, you know, going all out. Um, yeah. I guess, if, I guess the Jets may get Aaron Rodgers, okay? So yeah. they're going to be a contender. And we all know about Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, at some point, Buffalo is going to stop choking in the playoffs, I think, and I'd hope so, for their sake. I'm going to believe it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A, I, I would agree with you there. I would so, agree with you there. But I mean, you're that's right. kind of my take on it. I mean, I don't. I, I think it's still Mac Jones. You know, Zappy will be there. But um, he, he, Mac has got to get, you know, he's got to get a different attitude. He's got to get a hit, his head in the game here now. Because Belichick oh. removed what you thought was a terrible, you know, and I agree. Patricia and demoted uh, them, yeah, definitely. But we removed it, so let's let's step up now, okay? Yeah, you're right. Mac does have to listen. They they said that was one thing about Mac was in training camp he was stressed out with the whole new. Because I don't think Billy O'Brien's going to put up with it. No, he won't. And then they said Mac completely tuned out. Billy's got a strong personality. Great point. Yeah, I think Belichick is just going to say, "Okay, I'm deferring to him," okay, like he did with McDaniel's. Definitely. I think part of it is just sports in general. I think whether it's on sports, even in real life, when you have a mentor or a coach, someone you believe in and they're helping you and they're right on your side and they're right in your ear and they're giving you advice. You want to play, you want to win for that person. Joe Judge being in Mac Jones there and him tuning Joe Judge out, I think it was week five or six, completely stopped listening to him. Mac's not going to want to play hard even for himself or for Joe Judge. When you have a coach you want to play for and play hard for, it makes all the difference in the world. And I think obviously him tuning out Joe Judge, it just created a brokenness in their relationship. And I think Mac just wasn't focused. Hopefully he finds that relationship with Bill, Bill O'Brien. I, I think hope so. Having it someone really in your ear that you believe in and they believe in you makes a huge difference. It really yeah. does. With anything in life, it doesn't have to just be sports. But what's your take on the Zappy and Mac Jones debate, which I know that was a big thing during the season, but I think everyone's probably in line with Mac now. But I mean, I have to say that not you know living in New England except for school, this is not something I'm exposed to is all the people arguing about this. But I, I mean, I like Zapp in college, but like Jones is obviously the starter. And I mean, I can't blame him for how he reacted last year because I don't the whole like Belichick coaching situation the way he was delegating responsibilities made no sense and yeah you would hope that with this new reshuffle that things would function smoothly I I, I don't there's there's not much more you can say besides that like 
why you had Patricia and Joe Judge be coordinators in places they hadn't been coordinators before. So, so. It was bizarre. And it's also, yeah. it, it, to me, it's like, it's weird because like usually Belichick isn't set in his ways, but it seems like he wanted to stick with his guys rather than give like an assistant the chance to be the offensive yeah. coordinator. And it's not like they have a shortage of talented assistants for the Patriots. I mean, but- Patricia's background is defensive coordinator. Right, I know exactly. he's the head coach of the yeah. Lions, but that didn't work out that yeah. well. So, you know. Especially with... Uh, is... Sorry, go ahead. You go. Oh, you go sorry. Go. <laughs> sorry, this is, just, this is kind of just therapy because the, I was trying to just block out the Matt Patricia, Joe Judge are still on the Patriots coaching staff <laughs> now that we're talking about it. Right. The Patriots were so terrible last year at special teams, and that's all Joe Judge is good at. So I don't understand why they put him on the offensive side of the ball when we could have just put him back on special teams. Because when he was the special teams coordinator with us, it it made no, it was a no brainer why the Giants hired him. I mean, this Patriot special teams was unbelievable that year. We like led the NFL and returned touchdowns and. And and block puns, pun coverage is great. Goals and, yeah, yeah, it, exactly. It was so I don't understand why we didn't put him back there, and why we decided to put both of them on on the offensive side of the ball. But yeah. back to you. I just had to get that off my chest. And no, it's a great point. No, and I absolutely agree. And I also say that like Patricia and Joe Judge both sort of have a reputation of being like abrasive people, like for better or worse. Like yeah. a lot of football coaches are like that. I know it's too, but like. When you're losing yeah. games like they were, like that sort of stuff, especially having two guys above you both doing that, it's like I can see why that offense gave up because it would become very frustrating very quickly when you have two guys without the spe- the expertise you would want, basically saying that you're doing everything wrong. Yeah, I think that makes absolute sense. Definitely, and I think if you look at what Daniel Jones played like under Joe Judge, he regressed heavily in two years with Joe Judge, and. Same thing with Mac Jones, he regressed last year. So that's why I think Mac can have a bounce back here. I, I still have faith in him, and I'm rooting for him to do well. I think I think he's a good kid. Obviously, he had his frustrations with, with the Patriots, you know, coaching staff, and rightfully so. I think I think it goes two ways. You want to respect a coach. You might not see eye-to-eye, but you at least want to respect them. I think he's probably more on the side of, the, the I guess, the disrespect and not listening. You want to at least be able to listen to them, even if you don't see eye-to-eye. And I don't think he really respected or saw eye-to-eye with Judge. And Patricia, I don't know if I would have. I, I'm sure it was tough being in his position. But I think I think I'm buying back into Mac Jones stock. I'd roll with him for another year, see what happens after that, and then who knows if he were to you know not have a good year this year, you guys could just go right into the draft. Since it seems like that's what a lot of teams are doing now. Since you if you want to pay a quarterback, you have to give him forty million. Mac Jones will be a free agent a couple years from now, unless you pick his fifth year option. I don't think the Patriots would probably want to give him forty million based on what he played like last year. But if he had a big year, rejuvenated year like Daniel Jones had. And redeveloped what he was doing, you know, from his rookie year, like Daniel Jones did. He might get get himself some money. So there's a lot of line for Mac this year. And I'm hoping he at least shows progress and then uses that fourth year, like Daniel Jones did, to to get himself some money. We'll yep. see. That's obviously a question. But how do you guys feel about the Aaron Rodgers talk? You think he's going to be a Jet? I think he's going to be a Jet. I would agree. He, he gave I'm that not, wish list. They already got one fan. down. I'm not a fan of him. I, I used to be. I'm disappointed in him. Every think, year I pick the Packers and just I think he's out. become Aaron Rodgers. I, I don't know what he's become, though, with all the craziness with what went on with hiding having a vaccine, not having a vaccine. The vaccine, the hiding in a room, yeah. The retreat. And I, I, I always immunized. He was immunized. Like you, yeah. I always love the Packers. Love them. <laughs> I just love the way that team is. Their, their grit and determination. But uh, maybe he wants the, you know, I don't know. Uh, maybe he'll bring the Jets to a different level. We'll see. Yeah, I'm hoping. I'm hoping he, you know, if he were to go there, I wish him success since 
is a quarterback that always has high expectations and never really gets that Super Bowl. He has one, obviously, but I've picked the Packers three of the last probably five, six years, and every single day they have 13 wins in the regular season besides last year, and they lose in the playoffs. So I'm rooting for just to find you know one more year of success, kind of like other yep. quarterbacks have done where they go somewhere and just try to find success, like Brady did going to Tampa Bay. It's changed the scenery, worked for a year. So we'll see what happens. What do you think? You think he goes? Uh, at this point, if you're, I mean, I've, I have a lot of Jets friends friends who are Jets fans, and at this point, you really have to hope that he goes, because I don't know what their op, their backup plan Zach is. Wilson. Right, it's Zach, Wil- Zach Wilson, and that's it, because Mike yep. just got signed, Garoppolo's gone, gone yeah. Carter's right. gone, like, he's their only right. option at this point. Lamar Jackson, yep. maybe, but... I, I don't know what's going on with that. that Can they afford him? I don't know what that... I don't know, I mean, uh, I don't know if they'd want to give the two picks, probably. I don't know if yeah. they'd want to, because their team is rebuilding already, but you can go get a quarterback and figure it out, but... I think they're probably just hoping that they can get a guy like yeah. Rogers for less than Lamar would be. Rogers probably be what a first rounder and some it's, something else, first and third right. maybe. Lamar would be two um, firsts. They might not want to pot ways or two firsts and all that money. You know, like you said, the money's obviously part of it. I will say that I don't really have any serious takes on it. Just it's very funny to me that Aaron Rodgers might follow the exact same career trajectory. Yeah, as Brent Favre. <laughs> I, I literally texted. Yes, exactly. After yes. the after the Packers uh, lost. Yes. I texted, and well, after the Rodgers news came out about him wanting to trade, it's like I said as a joke to my brother, "Oh, he's going to go to the Jets, just like Favre did." Yep. And, um, yep. So I you're right. Know. It's crazy, isn't it? I think he could. I think it's that'd be so it's, funny. I think it's even the same with him not liking Jordan Love, yeah. <laughs> just like Brett Favre yeah, didn't like him. <laughs> Same path. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> Same maybe path. It's just, maybe it's just one song after that. Yeah. Well, the Vikings better get ready. Definitely. <laughs> no, I'd agree with you there. I'd agree with you. Well, doesn't Kirk, Kirk Cousins' com- contract comes up the same the same year Rodgers? There you go. It, so <laughs> it's already it's already <laughs> right in the, the stars. Players. He's going. You're right. I love it. You guys are, you guys are projecting his future. Um, one last thing I want to talk about in the NFL. Which we talked about the Dolphins a little bit. And obviously, they picked up two with fifth year options. So, at least run with two for another year, which I think was a smart decision going into you know, his fourth year. You pick up that fifth year just in case he ends up being great this next year and you get him for $25 million rather than whatever it would be if he was the free agent, $35 million. What do you guys think about Brady? Do you think there's any chance he actually comes out of retirement and goes to Miami? Since there was talks about that two weeks ago, now they've kind of doubled. I do. I do. Any chance Brady comes out? All right, Timmy, you agree? I you do. feel like he yeah. could. I, I agree too. I actually think he could. Yeah. Matt, I'm really I really felt bad with Tom this year. I mean, I I, I loved him when he was in New England. I, it took me a while to get over him leaving, but I understood all that. It just was not handled well between when he left and went to the Buccaneers. But good for him. He got another ring. He but did. just off the field, what a really felt badly for him. It was it was it made a huge impact and. Tom is really tough mentally, and I still think it impacted his play. So totally. I really don't think he's ready. I, I don't think he's ready. I think he's, he's a I mean, the, guy, the guy is in phenomenal shape. He is such an incredible athlete. You know, it might happen. I would agree. I, I think there's a chance as well. What do you think, Matt? You think he comes back? Yeah, to Tim's point, I'm still not over him leaving the Patriots. So the, the, it's, it's, it's almost hard. three three years. So it's really hard. Uh, no, I think. I mean, I think that he's. I don't think he'd come back. I don't think he's going to come back. I mean, this this last year, I've never seen like Tom Brady have worse body language. I've never seen him look more frustrated. I've never seen him look. 
even kind of just helpless. Like yep. he wasn't able to make some of the, the throws and the reads and that he that he used to in the past. And it seems like his heart wasn't in his mind were not really fully in it because he. I mean, have you ever heard Tom Brady skipping a, a, one practice a week? I mean, Never. He, he made his whole career. He made his whole career on on staying after practice, working super hard, getting the chemistry with the guys, perfecting the timing. And this year, he take he take he, he took every Wednesday off. And it just seems like his, it just seems like he, the, he he's not fully committed to it anymore. And in his first retirement speech, the line that kind of stuck out was, "You're either a hundred percent in or you're a hundred percent out." So I think that he's never going to be a hundred percent in again. So I, I think that he's truly going to stay retired. Okay, I like that. That's a good point. I never I never even thought about that line you just said, the fully in and fully out. But that's a great point. I think he has a chance he comes out, comes back and plays again, comes out of retirement, but. I think at the end of the day, too, you retire twice. I don't know if you'd want to do it a third time after he calls it up. But what do you think, though, Dill? I'm done talking about Tom Brady. That's all yeah. I say. <laughs> not a big Brady guy. You know what Giants fans, though. But, you know, Brady. A, yeah. Thank you, you for not Brady. bringing up the game that shall not be named. I, I, I we won't bring it up. That. Don't worry. We'll save you, we'll save you the stress care, of it. That, that shows character. 2007. Uh-oh. He West, brought it up West, for you. Your own Patriots West, friend there brought it up. Wes Welker. Yeah. Really? It hurt us, but. It's tough, but I always say this to Patriots fans: they did, they still got what six other ones with Brady, so at least they got you know at least it wasn't like you guys only went to one or two, you know. I, I know you obviously want to win the ones you're in, but they did get another six six other runs, so obviously yeah. Brady had a great career. And Patriots fans were spoiled, just like Giants fans. Even though we've seen a lot of bad years of football, we did see two Super Bowl rings, and there are a ton of franchises in the NFL in sports in general bad. that have never seen a win. Yeah. So and that's one thing about Boston fans in general: we are spoiled with with all our teams. Uh, Yankees fans historically, obviously the rings spoiled. Giants fans were spoiled. Knicks back in the day, obviously now again towards better days, but uh, Knicks fans were, were spoiled back in the day as well. Like that's just how it goes. You know, New York and Boston, two big sports towns. We've been lucky. We've seen some bad years. Giants, the Giants have seen a lot of bad years. The Jets as well, both at the same time, just about. But Mets really haven't been that great in years past. But again, better now, which is good. Um, and same thing with the Yankees. Yankees and Mets are good at the right time. So. We'll, we'll see. But we'll one thing I always say about sports, and I told you guys this early episode, sports are always better when New York teams and Boston teams are better. Whether they're meeting each other in the finals or the playoffs, you know, so be it. If they, if they don't meet each other, obviously that's fine. But I always think sports are always better when they're, when they're both playing great because you have national televised games. There's obviously rivalry between Red Sox, Yankees, Celtics, Knicks, Patriots, Giants even, you know, Bruins, yeah. Rangers. There's always something there. So that's what I like. Patriots, Jets as well you can add in. But – I always like when New York teams are better, so I'm always rooting for them to do well. So hopefully the Jets get back on track. Hopefully the Patriots get back on track as well. Uh, we'll see what happens. But don't want to take up too much more of you guys' time, but uh, thank you guys so much for taking the time to come on. It really fun. does mean the world to me. It was awesome. Yeah. You guys are always welcome. He'll be back in to talk about the Red Sox, Yankees, yeah, we'll, we'll do, we'll do his, uh, the MLB. Series with that. Probably in a couple weeks, and then a couple weeks after that will be mid, mid-April, will be NBA playoffs. So Matt, we'll have you come on and give your predictions again since <laughs> – you drilled that Celtics one, which is still nuts. You said Celtics in five, and they were Celtics in four. So crazy that you had that. But you knew your stuff, though, and I appreciate you guys taking the time. So thank you guys so much. All it right, means the world. It was fun. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was yeah. See you later. It's great to be on. Yes, I appreciate you guys. Have a great night. Thank nice you guys again. Nice to meet you guys. Take it easy. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Two of the best right there in the business, huh? Yeah, that was Matt great. and Timmy. Thank you guys so much for coming on, Matt and Timmy. It's a pleasure. And thank you to Dylan as well. Thank you for coming to the studio means the world having you in here, so I appreciate it. You bring a lot of insight to everything, college okay. basketball, college football, NBA, NHL, everything. So thank you for coming in. Right, appreciate thanks. it.
That will conclude the episode. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I appreciate it. I will be back on next Tuesday night, March 21st from 7 to 8 on WZBC AM Sports Radio. Thank you guys. Have a great rest of your night. Have a great rest of your week. Enjoy March Madness and stay safe and well. Thank you.